0: Mind listen. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Friday, and I, I let's let's speak frankly, shall we? I slept terribly last night. I don't know why. I was fidgety, a bit anxious. I had the house to myself. The wife and kids had gone to stay at the, their grandparents. Maybe that was it. I don't, normally, though, I can relax. Played a bit of Xbox last night, shooting zombies with Paul Scorings, the physical correspondent. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, sorry, Ollie, we should have invited you, but we didn't. Uh, I just slept terribly, so I'm a little bit sleepy this morning. So I may need you to call in and wake me up. I need an argument. Does anyone fancy an argument? If you just want to have an argument with me this morning, 08459 455555. Let's just have one to wake ourselves up, shall we? Here are some of the things coming up on the show today. A Luton mum who fled uh, Lanzarote with her young son to escape her former partner has not seen the boy for over three months. Find out more in the next few minutes. At what points should schools decide to close because of the bad weather? Before it snows to give parents advance warning or as and when it happens? Some schools in Buckinghamshire, get this, right? It's not snowed there, but the schools are shut because it might snow. Really? That seems incredible to an old man like me. And which charities do you think deserve your money? We'll hear why the manager of a shop in Luton says we're reluctant to donate cash overseas. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or... All of the lines are free, so now is an excellent time to give us a call. 08459 455 555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: A Luton mum who kidnapped her son and lost custody now wants him back after not seeing him for three months. Marie Roche uh, initially uh, fled from Lanzarote with Dylan to escape a relationship that she says was abusive. Her son's dad has ended up in prison. Well, reporter Serena Farrow has a story. Serena, tell us a bit of the background on this.
2: Yeah, well, back at the beginning of summer last year, Marie left Lanzarote where she was living with Dylan's dad, who's called Robert Burke. She claimed he was violent and had, in fact, been convicted of domestic violence against her. But the UK High Court, insisted that she go back to the canaries with her son by july the 7th however she refused and because of that she was on the road technically the courts then classed it as kidnapping despite it with being her own son
0: so is marie still with dylan now
2: no she eventually stopped running the police caught up with her and took him away as a result the british courts deemed her unfit to look after him and insisted that he live with his dad in spain
0: so the son's living out there now?
2: He is indeed, but Marie hasn't even seen him for about three months now, since he was taken away by the police. She simply hasn't visited for a number of reasons. Well, first, she can't really afford the travelling to and from Lanzarote and all the accommodation costs involved, and she also works, of course, over here, so it's not easy taking time off either.
0: But why is she Why is she still fighting when the rules have already been laid down in court?
2: Well, because circumstances have since been changed. So Dylan's dad, Robert, is now in prison, oh. and the little boy's been looked after by the dad's mother that's the son's grandmother therefore Marie feels he's no longer a fit father
0: what has she done to try and get him back?
2: she has a British solicitor who's bilingual and they've now got a legal case in Spain which is pending they're appealing for Dylan to be brought back to the UK and live with his mother
0: and and where are they now with that?
2: so Marie and family they're just Totally frustrated, because even though they've filed this case with the Spanish courts, because, of course, it's completely out of the British jurisdiction now, because the little boy lives over in Spain, but they're still waiting for a date to be set. And she says it's quite exasperating, because she's already paid £7,000, and the solicitor now wants another 8000 And they also have reason to believe that the grandmother's since taken Dylan to Ireland around Christmas time, which is the father's native country, yet that's actually a condition that's forbidden. So Marie's just astonished how this kind of activity isn't being picked up by the authorities and stopped.
0: Going off on a slight tangent, she spent £7,000 on the solicitor, yet she says she can't afford to go and see him. This is true. We'll find out more We'll find out more. She must be devastated, though, not being able to see her son.
2: Well, yeah, of course. I mean, although she does manage to speak to Dylan once a week on the grandmother's mobile, the last time she spoke, in fact, was a week ago. She says sometimes, though, it's hard because the phone's switched off, so it's not the most reliable method. And at one point she went over two weeks without speaking to him. She even missed his birthday last month. But she's even more worried at the moment because Dylan's passport actually expires in just two weeks' time. And in order to renew it, you, of course, need both parents' signatures. That's a little tad tricky, though, because, of course, she's over here and the other parents in prison. So she's hoping everything can be all sorted within the next fortnight... Though she does realise that's not really realistic
0: Serena, thank you very much We can hear more as Marie and her dad John Roche Will be coming into the studio to give us an update in the next hour I do fancy a bit of an argument can we just, I, I need something to kind of give me a, a boost So if someone wants to call in And just have an argument About anything, completely non-specific Anything you fancy Phone up and I will take a contrary point of view I'll win the argument as well I'm in that kind of mood I will win the argument Phone up, tell me what you want to argue about And we'll have it out on air, 08459 455 555. Let's have a quick look at the front pages of the newspaper. The Guardian. Hostages killed in rescue bid. Two Britons feared dead as Cameron says country should prepare for bad news from Algeria. Um, Terrible story. Did you see that MEP that tweeted last night? Did you see that? I can't remember the guy's name. Lucky for him. Uh, Well, I'll find it out for later on. And he tweeted, Al-Qaeda 1, David Cameron 0. Yeah, people died in this, didn't they? Am I right, thinking people died? Yes, they did. Lots of them. And he thought that was appropriate. Outrage on Twitter. Normally I don't like the Twitter outrage, but this one I thought was quite justified. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and then a few minutes later, he deleted it and apologised profusely. Oh, dear, sir. The damage. After having my uh, BBC Twitter course yesterday afternoon, I know, sir, the damage is done. <laughs> uh, the Independent... British hostages killed in Saharan bloodbath. Government dismay after Algerian forces attack Islamists at BP gas plant. Um, Police launched criminal probe into MP's child sex ring. Scotland Yard launched an investigation last night into allegations that Tory politicians were members of a paedophile ring which abused children in care in the 1980s. The Daily Telegraph. Britain's die in bungled rescue. Um, Thousands warned to stay at home as snowstorm hits. The Times. Cameron, the country must be ready for more bad news. PM postpones uh, Europe speech amid anger at botched hostage rescue. Uh, The Daily Express, snow chaos to last three days. As you know, huge fan of the snow, but I'm driving all the way to Gloucester this afternoon, and then hopefully, hopefully, coming back tomorrow. Or not, maybe I'll end up buying a house in Gloucester, doing the show from there. Um, and then there's a picture of uh, the uh, the toothy princess. Uh, the Daily Mail, bloodbath in the desert. And there's a story about a lady who was on a television show and having some pictures done, money spent on her to make her look better. Uh, and the son, uh, Jordan, has got married again. Ha, <laughs> ha, how we laughed. Do you remember Jordan's third wedding? Ha, 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 how we... I met her once. Lovely. Bonkers but lovely, very nice, but, but absolutely hat stand. Up to 20 British people are still thought to be missing in Algeria, following an operation to free hostages who were being held at a gas plant in the desert. Several people were killed when Algerian military helicopters and special forces stormed the facility, but there are no confirmed details of how many. One British hostage has already been confirmed dead. Last night, David Cameron warned of the possibility of further bad news. Cobra officials here are working around the clock to do everything we can to keep in contact with the families to build the fullest possible picture of the information and the intelligence that we have, and I'll do everything I can to update people about what is a difficult
3: and dangerous and, and potentially very bad situation.
0: The Algerian rescue effort was launched early yesterday morning without consultation with the UK. David Cameron was informed it was underway when he telephoned his Algerian counterpart yesterday morning, despite having earlier asked to be kept fully updated. Offers of British help had been declined. Downing Street said the Prime Minister emphasised the continuing need for the Algerian security forces to do everything they could to safeguard hostages. Kevin MacDonald was the chief engineer for the company that designed and built the plant. He's surprised it was targeted.
4: When you deal with these uh, relentless terrorists, uh, life is not in any way precious to them. But when this incident is finally over, we know we face a continuing ongoing uh, problem, and we're going to do everything we can uh, to work together to confront and uh, disrupt Al Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb.
0: Now, of course, wasn't Kevin McDonald? That was Hillary Clinton, the American Secretary of State, who said her country was determined to crush the hostage takers' organization. This is Kevin McDonald, who uh, was the chief engineer for the company that designed and built the plant. He's surprised it was targeted.
5: Oh, it's always been a risk in in Algeria. Um There was certainly a fairly high level of security while I was there, and there was uh, an army or police base right next door. I certainly never felt that there was a a high risk of of this level of penetration into into the plant, that's for sure.
0: The kidnap operation is thought to have been organised by Mokhtar Belmokhtar. Paul Rogers, a professor of peace studies at the University of Bradford, explains what's known about him. He's been involved
6: in Islamist paramilitary actions for many years. Uh, he probably was even a veteran of the war against the Soviet Union in Afghanistan back in the 1980s, so he'll be one of the originals. Whether he had any connections with what people used to call al-Qaeda
0: central, which was more in Afghanistan and Pakistan in the 1990s is difficult to say. David Cameron will chair a meeting of the Cobra Emergency Committee this morning. He's also cancelled his long-awaited Europe speech, which he had been due to deliver in the Netherlands today. The Foreign Secretary, William Hague, has cut short a visit to Australia to return to the UK, and there's expected to be a ministerial statement to the Commons. You can't beat a little bit of early Elton John. I don't mean early in the morning, I mean early Elton John as in the early 70s. Let's be honest, I want to kiss the bride and all the other stuff from the 80s. Silly nonsense, awful. Early 70s Elton John, yes please. Oh, I'll have a double slice of that please. Now, when you park your car outside, you hope your car will be safe and it won't get damaged it's not always true i had a car it got written off parked outside my house a drunk driver bam smashed into it wrote it off okay so that car was taken i got given a hire car by the the insurance company parked it in the same place a roof blew off of a building and crushed it can you believe that anyway that's only twice that's happened to me imagine what it must be like to have five of your vehicles written off because drivers keep crashing into them That's exactly what happened to one Bedford man. Howard Hall says drivers are blinded by the low-lying sun. He's fed up with the situation, as you would be, wouldn't you, and wants the council to do something about it. Serena Farrow went to meet him.
2: I was expecting a big corner, but actually it's just a little slight bend, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's
7: just a gentle bend, but the the problems with the low-lying sun, first thing in the morning, people not clearing their windscreens. They come round the bend, the sun comes over the tops of houses blinds them and they just come straight into the cars
2: do you park up there on the side of the road as opposed to in your drive
7: we're not allowed to park on the verge because we now get fined for that so we were previously parking on the verge for safety so we park on the road we have allocated parking around the back so there's room for one car but every household around there have got two cars so we generally have an overspill onto the road and we've had two cars written off there now in three weeks
2: three weeks yeah
7: Yes, yeah, so my next-door neighbour, she had hers done, and then mine was done. All the accidents have been first thing in the morning, and it's the combination of the sun and people not clearing their windscreens and just going straight into parked vehicles.
2: And luckily, you've never been inside the cars that have been smashed into.
7: Thankfully, no. No, we've never had any children in there, but we do obviously have to use the road, obviously, to get the children in and out of the cars, school and shopping and stuff. It's a busy road, and it can be quite scary at some times. You have to sort of be very careful on, on there. No, a fifth car in eight years, but since I've been here, that's 14 cars that have been hit.
2: Including neighbours and whatnot. Yeah. And people could say, well, why don't you park elsewhere? It's not as simple as that, though.
7: You generally have nowhere, because of the houses round the back. It's very congested, so we have no option but to use the road at some points
2: and clearly you've complained to the council.
7: I've spoken to our local councillor Charles Royden on I'd say four or five occasions. Initially we were hoping for a lay-by to come in there. It was when they were doing yeah, the lay-by down at Barnsville Road and that was being done and we were told that we, we wouldn't be far off that. Then had obviously the economic climate changed so that went the wayside. I've looked at other ways to for a safety and solution and the green belt at the side of the house I've inquired about purchasing that they said no because it reduces their percentage of greenbelt i looked to put a drive in and had it all drawn out but they wouldn't sell me the land i had the application for the drop down curb that was in principle agreed but they wouldn't give me the land to to actually put the drive in talking to a a neighbor he said previously the petition was raised because of the, the safety but since then the roads got busier and we've still not got an outcome that's suitable
2: because i'm amazed that your insurance company still plays out after all this time
7: yes the last on this one thankfully everyone has stopped who's hit the cars but we've lost money now in terms of the value of the car that we bought last year to cover a a previous accident so i'm down financially on that they are questioning obviously where we're parking the cars now and i've got to have that discussion with them now when i now go and purchase a new car about where that's going to be stored and it's not that We want to put it into a dangerous position, but I haven't got any other alternative, apart from parking on the verge and getting a fine of £30 a day. That's reporter Serena
0: Farrow speaking to Howard Hall there, who's had five cars written off in eight years. We've contacted Bedfordshire County Council, and they say we have no plans to put in a parking bay. However, a new 20-mile-per-hour speed limit will be introduced on the road before April. April. This will considerably reduce speeds. Yeah, will it? Well, the pictures of where Howard parks his car are up on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR you've also been posting on there uh, your comments about the snow get this there are some schools in the area that have shut already even though there's no snow there's no snow yet and they've closed well susan says on facebook i'm just getting ready to go to work and wondering how i'm going to cope if i have to come home for school co- closures that are announced late i think they should stay open as long as possible Hannah says, "I think it's a good idea to close them early, as you never know how bad it will be. And they have been issuing severe weather warnings. You also don't know if it's actually going to happen. When I were a lad, right, you went to school. If it snowed really heavily, heavily, they would close it. You'd all sit in the hallway, uh, in the hall, until your parents came and collected you. Oh, and it's on. Oh, and it's on a Friday. Oh, they've they've closed the schools on a Friday. I don't want to cast aspersions, but anyone else thinking teachers getting an extra day off at the weekend? I'm suspicious." (laughs)
1: Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate.
0: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Did he say sorry, Armstrong? I don't know if he said sorry. I mean, I, I missed it. I'll I, I watch it online later on. That interview did with Oprah Winfrey. Did he get any point go, I'm really sorry for letting down people... And conning people out of money and everyone that, that worked for me. I wonder if you did. If you saw it, could you give us a call and let me know? Uh, coming up in the next half an hour, which charities do you think deserve your money? We'll hear why many of you are reluctant to donate to charities which work overseas. And at which point should schools decide to close because of the bad weather? Before it snows? To give parents advance warning? Or as and when it happens? Some schools in Buckinghamshire are already shut. Our closed school correspondent, Justin Dealey, will have a full roundup of the school closures in about 20 minutes. minutes. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. I hope this isn't the sweary version. 08459 455 555. I'm just going to use the airwaves if I can for a second to respond to a private message. I know I shouldn't and I apologise. Yes, Catherine, I would like that coffee, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But sometimes I have to hijack the BBC for my own dirty personal gains. Now, this is fascinating. The manager of a Red Cross shop in Luton, Says that people aren't donating as much as they used to because the charity works abroad. He'll be joining me in the studio in about an hour's time. It comes after a report by the Charities Aid Foundation found that giving to good causes overseas is at its lowest level for four years. The report also shows that people are more likely to give to an animal charity or one that did work in this country. These people in Luton told our reporter Matt Lukewood they would rather uh, give uh, Matt Lockwood sorry they would rather give to good causes at home.
8: I do give to charity. It depends how much I've got on me at the time.
0: And and are you more likely to give to a charity that works in the UK or
3: works overseas? Uh, UK. And why is that?
8: I think we should look after people in this country as opposed to those abroad. I'm sorry.
3: And if you donate overseas, do you feel that you don't know where that money is going? Exactly.
8: Yes. And I'm sorry, we give other countries more help. And I think we should start looking after our own.
9: I don't give to any charities because I believe that uh, the money that I earn is my money. The government gives to charities of various persuasions and that's it. I don't believe in it.
10: it depends more on what the work of the charity is, to be honest. and how, well, I think they detail what they do and with whom and how effectively the money is spent. That would probably inform my decision more than whether they predominantly help people in the UK or abroad. And I do support charities that do both.
3: I do give to charity because because I, I love to help. How much would you say, on average, you give to charities, say, you know, in a month? Probably like um, 20 quid or so. All right, OK. And if you're giving to a charity, is that more likely to be a charity that works in the UK or overseas? At the moment, I'm living here, so I prefer home
0: is the best, you know, to give a hand. Richard Harrison is the Director of Research at the Charities Aid Foundation. Richard, tell us more about your research when it comes to overseas giving.
5: Sure. So we, this is part of a, a very large survey, perhaps the largest in the world, that looks at how people in the UK give. We've been doing it for eight years. Um, you're right that overseas donations, the extent to which we go overseas, is, is, is not the first one amongst, on the list. Um, it comes after medical hospitals and children then animals, then overseas. Um, it has been in that position, though, for, for, for some time. It dropped ever so slightly this year uh, by a couple of percent. Um, But the the, the big picture, I think, really, is that donations to all kinds of causes, international uh, and all the others, have suffered uh, this year. Uh, We've actually seen a 20% drop in donations in relation to the previous year, the the, the lowest in bearing in mind inflation that we've ever recorded. So, yes, we we, we understand if people feel they want to give uh, close to home in these hard times because there's so much um you know so many people in need uh, in the uk and that's very evident uh, but i think the big picture is that it's it, you know it's it's broader than that it's more about donations in general
0: so you're saying just to get this right that d- d- donations to all kinds of charities british charities animal charities and, f- and, and and foreign charities are all down are they all down by a kind of similar percentage would you say
5: yeah, that's that's the case. I mean, the, the, broadly they're they're down in terms of the proportion of people who give in a typical month by by a few percent. There's nothing that really um, stands out dramatically. Um, and I should say that we remain an incredibly generous country. We also do a piece of research that looks at the proportion of people giving in the UK versus every other country in the world, and on that basis, we're still very very generous, the eighth most generous in in, in the world. But Yes it's not as if the numbers support any you know any dramatic drop in, in giving overseas and more to the point, I would say that in the eight years that we've been doing this uh, we can see that when when times when, when we we see an example of real suffering overseas, the u k public responds amazingly in when haiti happened in uh, in two thousand and nine, I think it was. In that year, the, the, the proportion of people who gave overseas jumped by half, from sixteen percent to twenty-four percent. So half within itself.
0: So when we see when we see a, a, a disaster elsewhere in the world, mm. uh, the, the, the British uh, kind of the, the pull together and they they do help out.
5: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was the case in Haiti. It was it was the case uh, in the tsunami year as well. Um, we've got a track record of, of being extra- extraordinarily generous. I think the key thing now is that we all love the idea of charity, we're very proud of our charitable heritage. Um, but as I say, a lot of suffering is happening in, in the UK right now. It's very The difficulty for charities is that in recession, not only is their income hit, there's a double whammy where there's a huge rise in the demand for their services. And that really puts them under pressure. Um, and what we want to see is, is us getting our house in order in terms of making sure that the giving environment, um, the infrastructure for charities is as strong as it can be. And we love things like gift aid that help us get the tax back on our donations and mm. things like that um, we feel could be improved, made more modern and that's why we've actually launched a campaign called Back Britain's Charities to get um, the government companies and others you know, doing what they can to help charities be as strong as they can in these very difficult times.
0: There are some people, uh, I've heard this argument myself, who who are reluctant to give to foreign charities because they're unsure uh, where their money's going to go to. Maybe they they think it might go to a corrupt regime or or, or something like that. Are they right to be worried about that?
5: I I don't think so, really. I mean, I think it's absolutely fair, but I think we're very lucky in this country that a number of things happen that help us to get that right. First of all, we've got – and this doesn't happen in many countries – what we call a regulator, we, people may know the term the Charity Commission, and they take care of a lot of the work of, of making sure that people we can give to are absolutely legitimate. But beyond that, something very interesting in your piece just now was someone said, you know, I'd like to understand how, how efficient charities are overseas. Something that charities are very, very mindful of, and, and when you speak to the gentleman from the Red Cross in an hour, you know, that charities like that are particularly good at this, is, is showing donors the impact of that work. That could be through videos. That could be through hard numbers. Um, it is a bit difficult for charities who perhaps are into you know, animal one charity my might trade in you know helping animals and other children, etc, to all produce numbers that one can easily compare That's that 's a, a, a big uh, initiative in the charity sector you know that charities are working hard on to prove their impact but but they 're increasingly getting there but I think the more the charitable sector can bring uh, you know down to earth can help people really see what's happening on the ground and they're doing an increasingly good job of that the more it would be easier for people to, to give overseas
0: Why do we love animal charities so much?
5: Well it's very hard to say I mean I, I guess we're a nation of animal lovers, that's, that's one thing that we, we tend to say um, You know, and, and there's you know, many examples of, of animal suffering that are prominent in the media but I think our, our you know our, our charitability if you like is, is, is very broad the numbers in the report say that you know there's over half a dozen causes that you know more than 10% of us are giving to every single month. So I think, first and foremost, we should just be very proud of how how charitable we are across the board and, and be looking for ways to make sure that we, we st- remain one of the most generous countries in the world.
0: Richard Harrison, Director of Research at the Charities Aid Foundation. Thank you very much indeed.
1: On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: There we go, that was Alaska Campus from Watford and their track to the new year. Top marks, Alaska Campus, for not doing what a lot of the unsigned bands do doing a five-minute song. Two, uh, two minutes, twenty-five, perfect. That's what you want from a pop song. Absolutely perfect. Now, as you just heard in the weather, uh, snow today. Oh, it's coming. And several schools are closed already, even though it's not snowed. Most of them are in Buckinghamshire. And this morning, I want to know what you think about this. At what point should schools decide to close because of the bad weather? Before it snows, to give parents advance warning, or as and when it happens? Let's speak to BBC Three Counties reporter, Justin Dealey. He's keeping an eye on the school closures this morning. Morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. Can you remember when you were at school, how many days you got off? Not many, yeah, not I do not think it one, and, to be honest And with you. We, we would go in when it snowed. If it, yeah. I remember once, it's snowing so heavily that we they closed school while we were there and we had to sit in the hall. But apart from that, we went in and we went out. Because you're a tough guy. Tough guy, why. 70s and 80s, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Cool. But um, as you
11: mentioned, Ian, quite a number of schools that, that are closed already, or certainly thinking about closing. Most of those are going to be in Buckinghamshire this morning. They are the Amersham School and the Chalfont Valley Primary E-Act Academy. Uh, they say to check on their website that's from 7 this morning, the Booker Hill School, that's definitely closed uh, because of the bad weather uh, also the Brill Church of England Combined School, the Cadmore End Church of England School, the Chilton Gate School, the Claysons Primary School, the Israeli School and Children's Centre, the Downley School the Fraith Church of England Combined School, the Great Missenden Church of England Combined School, High Wickham Church of England, Maplewood School West Wickham as well, they are all closed this morning, that's in Buckinghamshire of course in Hertfordshire the Nicholas Brakespear in St Albans that's closed all day due to a gas leak the Westfield Community Primary that's going to be closed because of a heating failure the St Mary's Sea of E Primary in Wellham Green again closed from one o'clock today and the Colnebrook Special in Watford Roman Fields in Hemel Hempstead and Southfield in Hatfield all closed today. in, so lots of closures coming in already. Man, up and schools! And been changing since six o'clock this morning.
0: Do, do you not? It, it's not an element of this, Justin. Though you think, oh, it's a, oh, it's a Friday. Would they have closed if this had been a Tuesday <laughs> or a Wednesday? <laughs> Well, I like, I like that, teachers. Look, we had a lot of snow
11: on Monday, didn't we? It snowed yep. for quite a few hours on Monday. Yep. And we never saw any of these closures there. No. And if anything, the roads in the afternoon weren't too bad. A lot of people, I think, saw that forecast and thought to themselves, I'm going to maybe go into work early and come out early. But, but most people this morning, and i got some brief reactions. You here, spoke to some people, did most you? Most people, when you say to them, oh, lots of schools are closed already, they look at you as if you are absolutely crazy. Uh, here's the views of Steve. Here's what Steve had to say earlier this morning.
5: Well, I don't think they should shut, really. I think they normally should shut if the schools ain't got no water or heat. So I I think that's out of
11: order, really. So you Um, think the schools saying they're closed the day before is not a precaution, if anything. It's it's just quite weak. Quite weak, really, yeah. That's what I think, yeah. When you were at school, did you ever close the day before because of snow? Well, without snow, if you know what I mean.
5: (laughs) No, no, we didn't close at all, as far as I know. Never once? Never once, I don't think, no. Yeah. Mine going back a few years
7: now, so...
11: The views there of Steve, and after that, Ian, we had a good old reminisce about Steve's school days and in his tight Did you tight go to school trousers. with Steve? <laughs> I didn't
3: go to no, school I'm with sorry, Steve. No, I'm sorry, misunderstood, yes.
11: But, uh, no, so Steve was saying there that, that when he was at school, this never happened. You know, let alone going home on the day it snowed, you know, that they never went home at all. Because, of course, a number of these schools announced late yesterday afternoon, but a number of them in Buckinghamshire, in Wickham, that they are affected by the snow, one of the worst affected areas in the country. So, I suppose what they're saying is, yes, no snow this morning. We yes. know that, but... <laughs> yes, they are yes, no but, snow? But there is. Yes, yes, no snow, but yes. there is an amber weather warning in place, so... If the parents can get the kids into school that's one thing, but, but can they get the kids home? What you don't want to be left with is a school full of children and no parents can pick oh. them up, nobody can get them home. matt
0: man up, everybody. <laughs> school's <laughs> man up for good I'm quite angry about this, Justin. I'd be free. Oh, yeah, supposing I, I that snow rage. Does, Supposing that snow doesn't come, right? Supposing that snow oh, doesn't really? come, right? And those schools have been closed for no reason yeah. whatsoever then those children, they've lost... The kids are going to love it. Of course they are, because they're kids. Everyone wants to bunk off school. (laughs) But I'm just suspicious of these teachers.
11: Well, you know, health and safety as well. As (laughs) I mentioned to you the other day... (laughs) Oh, God, come on. I, I got out of the radio car the other day as i mentioned I, i'm a big unit six foot four 14 stone full of muscle and i slipped over and my back still hurts today so so people can slip over and a lot of people yes they do get carried away by the snow but i suppose if you're looking at, at history in, in wickham in buckinghamshire there has been major problems there in the past they're taking extra precautions this time around okay well justin listen thank you
0: very much uh That indeed, I am slightly... What do you think, dear listener? Schools closing and and the snow's not even happened yet. Are you sure about that? I'm vaguely suspicious about this whole thing going on. 08459 455 555. (laughs) Morning, dear listener, this is Ian Lee, by EBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past seven, it's Friday... (laughs) I tell you what, it's flipping cold. Oh, it's chilly. And it's going to snow. And I've got to drive all the way to Gloucester today. I'm a big fan of the snow. I'm not complaining in the slightest. I wouldn't dare. But it could be a long journey. And I forgot to put the blanket in my car. Lots coming up in the next hour, including a Luton mum who fled to Lanzarote with her young son to... uh, uh, Fled Lanzarote, sorry, with her young son to escape her former partner has not seen her boy for over three months. She'll be joining me to tell her story in the next few minutes. At which point should schools decide to close because of the bad weather? Before it snows, to give parents an advance warning, or as and when it happens? Well, some schools in the three counties are already shut. I'll give you a full list of those closures in about 20 minutes. If you want to get in touch facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr you can send me a text 81333 starting your text 3cr or you can give us a call 08459 455 555
1: BBC Three Counties Radio
0: now, a mum from Luton uh, who hasn't seen her son for three months says she desperately wants to gain custody of him since the boy's father is now in prison. Now, I'm going to say it wrong. You've told me how to say it. Marie Roach. Yes. I got it right. There we go. It's coming a little bit closer to the microphone, Marie. Uh, Marie Roach kidnapped her boy to get out of a relationship with the boy's dad, Robert Burke, who she says was abusive. She joins me now along with her father, John. Hello, John. Hello, there. Come to you in a second, John. Now, Marie, explain why the courts here said that Dylan should live with his dad in Lanzarote.
12: Um, it wasn't, sorry, it wasn't necessarily that he should live in Lanzarote with his dad. Um, what they deemed was that, even though, obviously I'm British, um, and his father Robert is Irish, um, and even though Dylan does actually have a British passport, that island was where he was born, um, it was where, you know, he spent the first few years of his life, so the court deemed that that was the jurisdiction where it needed to be settled, as to who Dylan should be with or where he should be living.
0: Right. And, and so why did they come to the decision that they came to?
12: Um, do you mean previously last year? Well,
0: yeah, in terms of he should live with his dad.
12: Um, it wasn't that he was to actually live with his dad. Right. Um, the uh, High Court said that Dylan predominantly was to be with me, actually. Right. Um, we were to fly back over there to Lanzarote yeah. um, to wait until things had been finalised.
13: Yeah.
12: It was to be done in the shortest amount of time possible for mainly obviously for dylan 's sake, um, obviously for mine, numerous of um, stipulations were put into place, um, finances, things like that yeah. somewhere for me and Dylan to live over there, um, maintenance for Dylan, those sorts of things. Dylan was to be with his father um, on a Wednesday and every other weekend yeah. um, on arriving back to the island, however, it appeared that those rules were not taken into consideration over there whatsoever. Right. Um, they were not abided by on the other side. Um, by
0: the, by the courts mm-hmm. or by the dad? By the dad. Right.
12: Um, and not only that, Whilst when the paperwork and everything was produced to the courts over there, it was basically a case of, oh, no, that's the UK. We have different rules over here. OK. So they completely... Sort of counteracted. Outrage. So,
0: what rules did they come up with in Lanzarote then?
12: In Lanzarote, um, n- not long after I'd arrived, um, Robert seemed to think, as he always did, you know, he knew best, he yeah. had the money, he could do whatever he liked. Um, he basically took me to court over there. Right. Um, it appeared because of the rules he didn't um, abide by that the High Court stipulated, um, I think this was his plan actually. In the court over there in Lanzarote, it looked as though I had nowhere to live. It looked as though I didn't have any, you know, income of any kind. Mm. On paper, Robert looked like the perfect yep. um, sort of individual, you know. So a shared custody was put into place. Mm-hmm. Dylan was to be with me for half of the week, with him for half of the week. Yep. Um, however, things seemed to go back to the way that they were before after a short space of time which was he wasn't supposed to come within 500 meters of me right he wasn't supposed to contact me yeah and you know all of these things were put in place yeah he ignored that right he was the same nasty manipulative self and not only that but the half of the week that dylan was supposed to be with him Mm. dylan was actually with nannies
0: (sighs) Well, if if he was breaking the rules that mm-hmm. were laid down by the, the courts in yeah. Lanzarote, then why didn't you go back to the courts? Why did you take the step of uh, effectively kidnapping him and bringing him back to the UK?
1: Um,
12: obviously, you know, I I personally wouldn't call it kidnapping. Um, neither would the High Court. One of their right, but that's how it was, was deemed.
0: That was how it was deemed in, in Lanzarote. That's why I'm using that.
12: It was it was possibly deemed over yeah. there. As so why about, did yes. you not go
0: back to court? Why did you Why did you abduct him or bring him over here, knowing that that would get everyone in trouble?
12: Um it's unless you're there and you know the system and you've experienced it yourself you would not believe how heartbreakingly yeah. slow the process is i mean everybody's heard of the term you know manana this manana mm. that um it's way beyond that yeah you know you are you, you. you could be told that things might happen or things might be finalized or you might have news in a week's time five months later you still don't know anything you're Mm. still waiting for that court date you're still you know any kind of little bit of news that might help the situation now i find that especially for young children absolutely detrimental Mm. i really really do you know we had a four and a half year old little boy who was suffering terrible head injuries um spent time in hospital would literally cling to me, mm. crying his eyes out, saying, Mummy, please, can I stay with you? I don't want to go to Daddy. He hits me. You know, I even have police reports that say... that p- Police officers that have witnessed little Dylan saying that to, to the police themselves. Mm. Um, and it finally gets to the point where you think, this cannot continue. Absolutely not.
0: When did you last speak to Dylan?
12: The day that, um, that he left and was to be collected at the police station when was that by rob and his father that was in october
0: you've not spoken to him since october
12: i've spoken to him right um my solicitor has been absolutely fantastic he really really has um managed to speak to solicitors on the other side Mm. and gained a contact number for mrs burke Mm. this proved to be a wrong number um she's been completely uncooperative very much so um we then finally managed to receive another Spanish telephone number for her. Most of the time it's been switched off. Mm. Um, not only that, like I said, she, it was deemed that she needed to stay in Lanzarote while everything was finalised. I know from the difference in the dialing tone, there's a distinct difference between a UK or Ireland dialing tone on the phone, mm. or if she was in Lanzarote, it's a different one. So you're saying you time. think that
0: she's, she has moved to Ireland she or the UK moved,
12: somewhere? She, she's somewhere, right? Um, there's been a, U- a UK dialing tone on the phone at times. Mm. A couple of days later, it, it might be a Spanish dialing tone, so I know that she's plane-hopping, so when? So, sorry, just go back
0: to when, when was the last time you actually spoke to Dylan on the phone? It
12: was last week.
0: OK. What are you hoping to do next? What's your... what's the, the plan?
12: Um, the plan is basically for Dylan to be found, Dylan to be located, um be back with me as soon as possible
0: and how are you doing that
12: um like I said my solicitor he's been absolutely fantastic um things are, you know finalized over there in Lanzarote and, and all you know things like that now um even though it's taken a ridiculous mm. long time it's just a case of finding him straight away you know mm. as soon as possible the Irish Garda have actually been fantastic they've been looking for Dylan they've been to various places in Ireland to try to track where he is um, like I said it was only the week before last that I came back from Lanzarote mm. I was there so you've
0: been out there looking for I him I have yes yeah. exactly yeah.
12: and the Spanish Guardia Seville they've also been looking for Dylan at the moment every day as you can imagine to me feels like an absolute week yeah
0: of course I can't imagine I, my little boy was away, has been away for two days and I, you know, I'm heartbroken already mm. I, can, I, know exa- I can imagine how you feel John you're, you're the granddad.
13: Yes. what's it been like for you? horrendous yeah um not only have I got to worry about Dylan I'm also worried about my daughter as well yeah and he was such a happy little boy when he was with us he absolutely worshipped his mum and he just had no time at all for his father or his grandmother he wouldn't even call her nanny all he would ever say is whenever he mentioned her, he would always say my dad's mum mm. and he just didn't like the woman and yet i had to take him to luton police station be the last person with him and hand him over to I just have to tread very... Just, just slightly uh-huh. carefully, just
0: because they're not here to put forward their side of the oh, case, totally. so I just have to yeah. tread very carefully around, around all this. But, yeah, so
13: you took Dylan to the police station to hand him over. Well, that, I can't even begin to imagine what that was It was, was absolutely like. horrendous. Of course it was, yeah. For Dylan, well, and for me. Yeah. And for the police, just to st- see Dylan stand there tugging at a policeman's jacket, mm. yeah. saying, please don't give me to my daddy, please don't give me to my daddy, he'll hit me, he'll hit me. They
12: didn't want to, did they?
13: And the p- police officer when he left our house that day was actually in (laughs) tears Mm. because he was so upset at having to do their job and i've got to admit the police were absolutely brilliant Mm. we've got statements from them um just saying how when robert turned up at the police station both times he was intoxicated, and they they refused to hand him Again, over. Again, I've just, I've just, yes, just got to tread very
0: carefully, just because, because, because then Marie, just yeah. finally, uh, is there any end in sight? Is is, is your lawyer optimistic of a, a positive resolution to this?
12: He's he's very optimistic. He really, really is. Like I said, he has been fantastic. Um, to be honest, I don't think even he realised. I mean, like I said, he is Spanish. Mm. He's based in London. However. You know, so he's used to Spanish law and things like this. I don't think even he realised how slow the process is over there. Yeah. Um, You know, we're not talking about mainland Spain. If we was, it might have been a different situation. This is a very small, little island where things take a very, very long time. So he says everything's going to be fine. It's going to be, you know, work out. Dylan's going to be found. Um, There are obviously I need to be careful what I say, but there are steps in place to make sure that nothing like this ever can happen again. That Dylan will be very safe, I will be safe and we will be happy. Well,
0: listen, as a a father of two little boys, I can't begin to imagine what you're going through. I wish you the very best of luck. Thank you very much. I hope you get to see and hold little Dylan very soon. So do I. I. I'm sure you will. And John, thank you very much. Look after her, please. I will try. Thank you very much indeed. Now listen, when you park your uh, um, car outside, you kind of expect it to be safe, don't you? I've had a couple of really bad bits of luck. A drunk driver smashed into a car, wrote it off. The hire car was given. A week later, uh, the wind blew a roof off of a building and crushed it. I'm I'm guessing that I'm pretty much... I've I've used up all my bad luck when it comes to parking cars. That's only twice. Imagine if it had happened to you five times five of your vehicles written off because drivers keep crashing into them well that's exactly what's happened to howard hall from bedford he says drivers are blinded by the low-lying sum he's fed up with the situation as I- i'm sure you can imagine and he wants the council to do something about it well our repeated car crash correspondent justin deely is out and about good morning <laughs> justin yes hello. you're there that. aren't you i am I- i'm on time Crescent here in bedford i I'm can't believe this story is incredible isn't it
11: Well, it is. I mean, I'm looking at this road right now, and to be brutally honest with you, I can't see what the problem may be. It's it's a 30 miles per hour road. All right, it's very, very quiet. It's very early in the morning. But but as you mentioned, those statistics don't lie. Howard is uh, with us here, live with the radio car. Howard, welcome to the programme. As I mentioned there to Ian, I'm looking along this road here. I can't see what the problem is. For anybody who's not been here before, why is this such a problem road?
7: Morning. The problem tends to be... Um, in sort of the winter time and early spring where the sun's quite low and it rises over the houses across and comes down the apex of the bend here on Time Crescent. And um, if people haven't demisted their cars or taken the proper precautions, if it's icy or ever, they just come around the bend, they get blinded, they carry on going and of course cars are parked on on the bend and they just don't see them
4: okay
11: so they come around that corner there now i'm right in saying you've had five of your cars written
7: off you must be so frustrated enough is enough now yeah it is a point now because it's the fifth car it makes us not want to actually buy another car um but we do need to obviously get about and obviously you know transport our children about and thankfully nobody has been in the cars when they've been struck but it is really frustration that you come in you come from working you get into the house, two hours later, you're getting a knock on the door because your car's halfway down the road, damaged, written off, and uh, not able to be used. Penny Snow's here as well. Penny, you've also had your car written off mm-hmm. um, in December
11: here. Mm-hmm. Are you worried somebody's going to be killed along this road unless something is done?
14: I'm very worried because the last lady that hit me in December, she was an elderly lady driving a very new car. And uh, I came out to her and she was very shaky. They'd called the ambulance because she was very, sort of, couldn't breathe properly. But my insurance company haven't had any verification yet that she's actually um, responsible. So because the insurance company haven't heard from her, I haven't heard from them sort of thing. So mm. my biggest concern, to be honest with you, Justin, is not, not the sort of financial side, it's the life side. Because, yeah. I mean, 20 minutes later, I would have been putting my granddaughter in the car that morning. And she could have been seriously hurt, she's 21 months old.
11: Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Howard, um, your car's been written off five
7: times. Did these people own up? Uh, yeah, the, apart from the first one, that actually left the scene, but uh, thankfully an off-duty policeman got the registration. Uh, they tracked her down the next morning, Breathalyzer, she was over the limit, um, and that was taken taken further. But thankfully everyone that has happened has been witnesses, cars behind that have stopped, um, and I've always been here on the scene. But it's... Um, I mean, my insurance premiums have gone up. Um, my insurance company are now questioning where do we, where do we park the car. Um, and now I've got to go and purchase a new car. I've got to go through that discussion again. As to um, what my premium's going to be on a, on a, now a new car and this is nothing new. this has been going on for years here.
11: You were saying there was a petition years ago that was sent into Bedford Borough Council and they 've yep. done absolutely nothing about it.
7: yeah, a local resident who's lived here I think for over twenty years now, he was telling me uh, yesterday that um, there was a petition before um, my neighbors along along the houses here have all had cars written off. Um, when I first moved in, I was you know it was like be careful because that 's where you know cars have been written off. But there isn't an alternative to park because of the density of housing and on top of that now they've built a development with nearly 500 houses on the back which has increased the traffic since i moved in. Okay. Just lastly, before I hand back to the
11: studio, what is your message to Bedford Borough Council? You think that there is a council have, have let you down time and time again. What is your message to them this morning?
7: Well, well I've spoken to my local council on an, well, virtually every time that we've had a car written off um, and, and surely something's got to be done. It is a, a natural blind spot, and, um, and accidents are happening. So surely it's got to be. Let's put safety first over before we lose a life, and that yeah. can't be replaced. Okay. A car can be replaced, but a life can't. And Penny, what, what's your message?
14: Well, I just want to say to the council: is ten thousand pound worth someone's life?
11: Somebody's got to be killed first
14: for ten thousand pound. Yeah. Okay. And it's disgusting.
11: Thank you very much indeed. There you go, Ian. Two passionate views. I mean, I'm along this road right now, as I mentioned at the start of the conversation, at this moment in time, it's very, very early, but but as soon as that sum comes out later and the road gets busier and cars get parked, you've heard there, I mean, you've had Penny in December, she's had a car written off there, and you've heard also from our first guest, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five of his cars have been written off, and quite simply, he doesn't want to get a car again because the car could be written off. You
0: sound like a very dodgy market trader. Not one, not two. (laughs) not three. I've seen, there's a picture on Facebook. If you want to see this stretch of road and where the car is parked, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. It does seem incredible because it's not that big a bend, is it? I thought it'd be like a tight curve, but it's
11: not. It's quite gentle. I mean, when I came here this morning, I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, the, the bend is relatively gentle, as yeah. you say, but I think as the day goes on and the busier this road gets, that's when you're going to get the problems. And you've heard there from Penny as well, you know, major concern. She was going to put her grandchild into her car. That car that, that went into the back of hers and, and has written her car off, that car could have gone into her vehicle with her grandchild in that car. And the people here, petitions, been speaking to the council for years, they just cannot take more. Of it,
0: Justin Deely. Thank you very much indeed. Well, we've contacted Bedfordshire County Council, who say we have no plans to put in a parking bay. However, a new twenty miles per hour speed limit will be introduced on the road before April. This will considerably reduce speeds. Will it? But will it though? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Uh, we double five we've got the latest on what's happening around the uh, three counties. Uh, schools are already closing, I can't believe. I can man up schools. It's not even started snowing yet, and they're closed. Well, with the latest on the the, the list, Serena Farrow is now going to read to you a list of schools.
2: Right. Are you ready for this? These are the
0: ones that are closed.
2: Big deep breath. Okay. So we have Amersham and Chalfont Valley Primary E-Act Academy, Booker Hill, Brill Church of England Combined School. That's a brilliant name, isn't it? Brill Church. Cadmore End. Church of England.
0: You are literally listening to a list of schools being read out. <laughs> this, is, this is what Lord Reith wanted. <laughs> Chil-
2: Chilton Gate, which is a day boarding school. Well, they should be okay, shouldn't they? Just stay there, don't you, the other night. Got a bed? Yeah. Fine. Clayton's Primary, Disraeli School and Children's Centre, the Downley School, Freeth Church of England Combined School, Great Missenden Church of England Combined School, Maplewood, West Wickham Combined School. But that's just Buckinghamshire. There's more? There's more. We'll turn to Hertfordshire.
0: If you want to go and listen to Hart, come back in about five minutes. This will will finished.
2: Nicholas Breakspear in St Albans, Westfield Community Primary, Colnebrook Special, Westfield Community Primary, and St Mary's C of E Primary in Wellham Green. And then we've finally got Colnebrook Special in Watford, Roman Fields in Hemel Hempstead, Southfield in Hatfield. And do, 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 finally, Bedfordshire St George's School in Dunstable.
0: Serena, thank you very much indeed. You, you you had a list of schools being read out on the radio there. I hope it was as fun for you, uh, as, as much fun for you as it was for me. We'll put that out as an audio boo a little bit later on uh, in the week. Some of you have been texting in. I think that these schools should just man up a little bit, and it would appear that you would agree with me. George Shepherd from Wing says, During the late 70s, I went to school in Princess Risborough, and one snowy morning, no, Risborough, the one snowy morning, the coach driver said he couldn't get up the steep hill, so we had to get out and walk. We weren't dressed for walking in the snow, but just had to get on with it. I don't think anyone worried or bothered much. There was no excuse to have a day off. We were tougher then. George Shepherd. we were tougher back then. Um, who's this? An, an anonymous... Maybe schools would think twice about closing so easily if they had to compensate parents for loss of earnings due to being forced to take the day off. The only time I ever got off school due to snow was when the heating packed up. Even then, if we were already in school, we just had to wear coats and clothes. Uh, Listen, I'm not one of these people that likes to reminisce too much about the old days, because let's be honest, the old days were rubbish. But I remember sitting in a freezing cold school, heaters off, wearing coats and scarves and hats, and getting on with it. Marilyn says... Well, Marilyn, you're very old. I went to school... She doesn't say that, but I've, I've made that assumption. I went to school in the bad winter of 63. And as far as I can remember, my school never shut. And that was bad snow, not two flakes that shuts and closes the country down now. I am a little bit suspicious. It's a Friday. It's, to, to quote R. Kelly, it's the freaking weekend. And there's not been any snow, not much snow. It's, it's going to come later on. It might, it might come after the schools have shut... And yet they've closed already. I can only remember, and I'm really struggling to remember, I can only remember having getting sent home once from school because of the snow. I don't remember ever school being being cancelled in the morning. I remember one day, it snowed really heavily, someone chucked a, um, a snowball at Mrs Payne, the headmistress. And I th- uh, yeah, she was, she was grumpy, F- firm but not so fair. She was grumpy, uh, and, and someone chucked a snowball at her obviously that person went down in school legend but boy oh boy did we all get a right royal rollicking that day we weren't allowed out to play in the snow after that yeah i know that's not fair listen if you're a teacher and you go out on a snowy day you expect to get a snowball in the in the back or on the head of course you do well she did not expect it and she was very very annoyed but i can only remember being sent home once from school because of the snow uh and we all the, we all sat in the school hall and waited until our parents came and collected us. It was brilliant. We just messed around. It was wonderful. So come on, schools, man up a little bit. What do you think? Am I being a bit harsh on the schools? Maybe you think it's it's sensible precautionary measures. 08459 four double five five double five. Maybe I'm being a little bit half on uh, hard on the schools. What do you think? What do you reckon? Uh, th- should the schools be closing, even though it's not actually started snowing yet, or is it a sensible precautionary measure? 08459-455-555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. It's coming up to 730. Let's get the latest news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle.
1: Call 08459-455-555.
0: 08459-455-555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Yes. Morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 etc., etc., etc. Coming up in the next 30 minutes of the show, lots of stuff. It's bristling with action. Uh, am I being a bit harsh on these schools? I'm criticising them for closing before it's even snowed. I, I, is that lazy or is it a sensible precaution? I'd love to know your opinion about it. Uh, now, few of us are giving to charity according to the Charities Aid Commission. The manager of a Red Cross shop in Luton says people aren't donating as much as they used to to his store. Uh, he claims it's because the charity works abroad. We'll speak to Clive in a second. But these people in Luton told our reporter, Matt Lockwood, they're more likely to give to good causes at home than charities that work overseas. I do
8: give to charity. It depends how much I've got on me at the time.
0: And and are you more likely to give to a charity that works in the UK or works
3: overseas? Uh, UK. And why is that?
8: I think we should look after people in this country as opposed to those abroad. I'm sorry.
3: And if you donate overseas, do you feel that you don't know where that money is going? Exactly,
8: yes. And I'm sorry, we give other countries more help, and I think we should start looking after our own.
9: I don't give to any charities because I believe that... uh, The money that I earn is my money the government gives to charities of various persuasions and that's it, I don't believe in it.
10: Depends more on what the work of the charity is to be honest and how, well, I think they detail what they do and with whom and how effectively the money is spent. That would probably inform my decision more than whether they predominantly help people in the UK or abroad. And I do support charities that do
3: both. I do give to charity because because I, I love to help. How much would you say, on average, you give to charity? say, you know, in a month? Probably, like, um, 20 quid or so. Oh, right, OK. And if you're giving to a charity, is that more likely to be a charity that works in the UK or overseas? At the moment, I'm living here, so I prefer home is the best,
0: you know, to give a hand. Clive Sterling is the manager of the Red Cross shop in Luton. Morning, Clive. Good morning. You've noticed uh, a decrease in the amount of, of um, the things that people are donating to the Red Cross shop in Luton. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Why do you think that is? Um,
15: well, um, that could be a number of things um, around the fact that obviously that we are the British Red Cross and uh, there may well be a number of people that choose to think that the uh, British Red Cross operate more so um, overseas um, than they do in this country. Um, I'd like just to say that um, the British Red Cross do operate over here and we do have a number of services that we do um, use in this country that are... Uh, Um, are helpful to a lot of people in this country hence the reason why I'm here today to talk about uh, the donations that are uh, that we would like to be coming in.
0: So, do you think that there is a re- there's a reluctance because people see see the Red Cross and think, ah, oh, well, if, if it if it's just going to go abroad, then really, I'd, I'd, let, let me give it to to Sue Ryder or something like that. Yes, well, um, I've done
15: some research, and uh, although bit little amount of research, it uh, does seem to be that most people do tend to uh, want to see uh, where the money is actually going, um, and also the fact that. Um, Um, Perhaps maybe even to see um, um, information coming out um, in regards to uh, the work that's being done over here. Mm. So what kind of projects do you run over here? Well, we do a number of things. We have... uh, First aid, which is um, which we use to obviously try to impact on the people here. Can you do Um, first aid? We do first aid. Can
0: you? Can you do? If I collapse now, would you know what to do?
15: Well, I wouldn't know to do full on first aid, but I'd I'd know how to do um, some first aid. Okay,
0: so let's. If not a collapse, if I if I sprained a wrist or something, you could. Okay, good. Good. Uh, What other projects have you got over here?
15: Okay, so we have the we have the refugee. um, We have a refugee. Department, which is based in Dunstable Road, Luton. Here, um, we also have medical loans department in uh, in England. Here, where people could uh, phone up for um, for medical equipment um, and a number of other things.
0: Why do you think people are so reluctant to give to charities that help um, people in other countries?
15: Well, I think maybe a number of people, as I said before, perhaps maybe because we are in critical times now with uh, the economic, the state of the economics in this country, um, that most people would tend to uh, want to have their money um, that they do donate into charities to be spent over in this country here. Mm.
0: And what, when you, um, because listen, I had a fantastic clear out the other day, I'm always taking stuff to various charity shops. What kind of stuff are you after?
15: well there's a number of things that i would like uh, to um have coming through to the shop in luton which is based in uh, park street 12 to 14 a park street um things like women's and men's clothes shoes bric-a-brac um and th- any unwanted clothes and things like that yeah
0: what's, th- what's the best bargain you found listen when the stuff comes in clive you're the boss yeah do you get first dibs are you allowed to go, oh, whoa that's, whoa, that's not going on the shop floor, that's coming home with me? Well, it's not like that at
15: no. all, because at the end of the day, the donations obviously are being put in by people, so obviously at the end of the day, it's in my interest to make sure that those yep. donations are being used to turn into finance that will be used, obviously, to cater for those people who are in crisis. Mm.
0: And what, 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 what's the best, have you had a little treasure come in, uh, something that's, that you've gone, oh, hang on a second, I think we're going to do, it, it looks a bit cheap and nasty, but this might might get us a few quid. Well, we
15: have a number of things that actually come through, and uh, sometimes there are things, obviously, that we look at. Perhaps um, we put to one side, obviously, to, uh, to make sure that, obviously, that we maximise um, the most that we can get on the item itself, obviously, to um, put more money into the charity.
0: I tell you, the thing I hate about charity shops, not the shops themselves, is the idiots that leave the stuff outside in the bags overnight. Yes. Do well, you get I, that? Well, I would like to say, in the respect of,
15: if you are going to make donations, that um, please do not make donations overnight. Oh. <sighs> I thought, as, as they do cause problems, i.e. with people perhaps maybe trying to get into the bags, then obviously they're leaving rubbish outside the shop.
0: Well, listen, uh, Clive. It's it's. Uh, uh, is it little, I'd imagine it's a little bit busier after Christmas. Maybe people bringing in unwanted presents and, and bits and pieces like that. Is that how it works?
15: Well, yes. Um, I was expecting it to be quite busy this January, but it seems to uh, seems to be sort of slow. But um, as I say again, if you do have any unwanted clothes, um, please feel free to sort of contact the shop. We do collections as well um and yes um we're trying well our aim is obviously at the end of the day to uh make an impact in luton and try and obviously use the shop as a community base for people to donate into the charity
0: clive excellent work keep it up sir lovely to meet you i'm going to send you back out into that freezing cold now
15: well thank you very much is it snowing out there yet? it's not snowing at this moment in time H- how cold is it you got
0: very very cold thick coat, yes big indeed. nice polo neck jumper that's right <laughs> keep up the good work and good so, luck thanks very thank much thank you very much thank you bye.
1: cross beds hearts and bucks this is bbc three counties radio
0: now claire is in houghton regis morning claire Morning. Am I being a bit harsh on these schools, telling them off for for closing before it's even snowed?
10: No, well, I don't think so. No, when we were children, um, we walked to the school I now take my children to, and I'm... Forty, so I went through some of those horrid winters that people are talking about, and we always got there, and the schools always
0: opened. That was always part of the adventure, wasn't it? Thick snow. Yeah. Oh, it's going to take us a- You'd have to leave early. You were kind of allowed to get there a little bit late, and you'd be yeah. soaking wet. You'd have wet, wet trousers and wet shoes, and that was that was part of of growing up, wasn't it?
10: Yeah. Whereas now my children go to the same school as I say, as I did when I grew up. I'm lucky. It's not. I think it's closed once for snow in the last five years for one day so yeah. it, it doesn't very often close but um i feel i ha- or <laughs> i drive the children to the school oh. i don't walk them okay or it's, it's a an mile and a half uh, sorry a mile and a half yeah we used to walk it as kids and i think that's the mentality now that you
0: drive your children to school Claire, you, you're in a yes. position you're in a position to change that mentality
10: I I am for my children but yeah. if you stand at the school gate that's what happens and that's why the schools are closing because everyone's going to get their cars out
5: right. and
10: that's what the issue is ah. it's not that it's not that we can't get to school it's that everyone's got to get their cars out and a lot of people have gone past their local school to the school of their choice which means it's further so walking would be very difficult or more difficult mm. so i can see why the schools are closing but, actually, like you, I think it was an adventure to go out in the snow and, and get all dressed up and all the rest of it.
0: And, and I almost get frostbite in your toes. That's, that's all part of growing up. Claire, thank you very much. Laura's in Bedfordshire. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. What do you make of these lazy schools closing before it's even snowed? <laughs> Disgusting!
10: <laughs> well, yes, but unfortunately we are in a culture nowadays where there's a lot of people that are willing to sue on the, light, on the slightest thing... And unfortunately, in our schools nowadays, if we clear the playgrounds and something does happen to somebody, we're actually liable for it.
0: What? Hang on a second, Laura. Yeah. Whatever happened to wet play? You know what? Wet I know. P- we used know to stay school, indoors. A sign, a sign would go up: "Wet play. Yeah. No one is allowed out." And you'd stay in the classrooms all lunchtime.
10: No, no. In our school, we encourage all the children to come in in waterproofs. Wellingtons. Change of clothes. We go outside in the playground. We build snowmen. We have um, extra long uh, play times. We have open classroom for those that don't want to go out to play. We are really in with it. And because we're in a small village, we've got parents that work quite far away, so they rely on us to stay open.
0: So hang on a second. Let me just say that. When it snows, you you, would have longer play times?
10: Just, just. By a couple of minutes. Oh, that's, but that's wonderful, though. That's
0: wonderful. <laughs> listen, I, I think that when it snows, yeah, you should go to school, do do a bit of lessons and stuff. But, yeah, have longer lunchtime and playtime. And that, it, it yeah. doesn't happen that often in this country. Come on, let them enjoy it. No.
10: And we've only, got, we've only got a small school, we've got about 65 children, it's wow. great to see them running around on the field and playing snowmen, and, and it, it's, it's a great thing to involve them in like team games and things. There's a big positive with snow, I think there's a lot of negativity around, and we should yeah. punish all schools with the same brush.
0: i tell you where that negativity, negativity comes from. Do you, do you listen to the Jonathan Vernon Smith show at 9 o'clock? No, I'm afraid I'm at school. No, nah, well, I've, of course you are. I'll be honest. You're not. Mis- you're not missing a lot, right? All <laughs> oh, right. But okay. that's where the snow negativity comes from. People like he hates the snow. Oh, does he? He's a snow bigot.
10: Oh no! Oh, we have we have the children at art yesterday. We had an art lesson, and we was all dotted around the different windows at school, drawing the pictures of the church and the fields, and oh, it was lovely. Yeah. Fantastic. You just have to adapt
3: to weather.
0: Of course you do, Laura. Thank you, Michael's from Downley. Morning, Michael. Good morning. What what, what do you make of all this? Are the schools being Um, a bit lazy?
3: They are a bit lazy. Um, I shouldn't say that, but my wife, she's a teacher, and she was praying all night for the snow, to be honest. Really? Yeah, she was praying. She was hoping the school would be closed. I can't say which school that
0: was, but... uh, Well, uh, Well, isn't that... That is what... Broken Britain. That's a terrible attitude to have from our teachers. Absolutely, yeah, it is. I'm detecting an accent from you, Michael. Where are you from? I'm from Poland. Right, uh, and Poland. If I if I know my geography, and my weather correctly, Poland has quite a bit of snow sometimes, doesn't it?
3: We've got plenty of snow, especially this winter. What would uh, happen?
0: What would happen in a Polish school if it was snowed? Would it close?
3: No, it wouldn't. Clo- it wouldn't close. No, um, I'm thirty now, and uh, the, clo- the school was only closed once uh, in my school career when there was a uh, two and a half meters of snow.
0: Yeah, um, and apart from that, so the school is always open was always open. Solidarity. This is, this is what, this is, you you see what, people not Polish, the Polish coming over here, coming over here, staying in our jobs, I've got a lot of respect (laughs) for Poles that move to a different country to try and, um, you know, better their lives and improve themselves, I really have. And that's the reason, one of the reasons why you guys are such hard workers, because you go to school. The only time you closed the school when it was two metres of snow. Yeah. And I bet you had a great time, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Michael, listen, thank you very much indeed. Well, look at that. He's He's Polish. They only closed the school once when it snowed. When it was two metres of snow, his wife, I'm assuming she's English, I don't know, was praying last night for for there to be snow so the school would close. Really? That's not good enough, is it? So
14: lots of weather to contend with. I think we will see some problems from the snow, but dare I say, get out and enjoy it a little bit
0: this (gasps) weekend as well. Exactly, Elizabeth! (laughs) Get out and enjoy it.
14: Squeaky voice at the end. You've got I little like, ones, haven't you? I'm going to get clobbered. Yes, I have. How old? Two and, two and a half. Oh, that's the she perfect age.
0: <laughs> they must be so excited.
14: Yeah, well, she hasn't quite realised, but we have been on holiday in the snow before, and she loves the sledge and trying to build a snowman. Unfortunately, though, the it's not going to be great snowman material this weekend oh. because it'll be quite dry and powdery. Oh, the so powdery snow. Try, try and clump it all together.
0: Elizabeth, thank you very much. <laughs> Now, a Luton-based charity has been awarded a grant of nearly £200,000 from the government to tackle homelessness. The NOAA Enterprise is one of 23 projects announced today who will get funding. The money will come from the Homelessness Transition Fund, which aims to support rough sleepers to get off the streets and their lives back on track right across the country. Uh, well, Jim O'Connor is the chief executive of the NOAA Enterprise, joins me in the studio now. Morning, Jim. Good morning, uh,
4: How big a, a, an issue is homelessness in Bedfordshire? It's a significant issue in terms of scoping. Uh, There is an official count of 60 across Bedfordshire. Mm. But uh, 60, I think, is a fraction of what the total is. The hidden homeless would be at least double that. And we know that from our own experience. You know what the weather is like. I've heard you talking about it today. Last night we had 20 people in our night shelter. Thank Mm -hmm. heavens we've got the night shelter. But we had 35 people coming to our soup kitchen, all of them. The condition that they were there was that they were homeless. So they were going elsewhere and living in squats and so on. It's a significant problem. The government have recognized that there's a problem in Bedfordshire, which is why they've allocated funding to Bedford Borough Council on behalf of the other three councils. Mm. And it's uh, in support of an initiative called No Second Night Out that is... uh, uh, determination that no one spends a second night out on the streets. We applied for this funding to support that programme, mm. and we're delighted to have that opportunity. So where, will that money, where, where exactly does that money go? What, what's that money going to do in practical terms? The, uh, I'm not quite sure what the allocation of the, right. the money to uh, Bedford Borough Council will do, um, and I hope that that will be a collaboration with us. For ourselves, we will put an outreach team on the streets... Uh, as we have at the moment in Luton, and we have a reputation for that of persuading people who are on the streets to engage with us and then get on the the staircase of support that will lead them to a better quality of life and ultimately independence. So... Um, People around the streets come to our welfare centre, mm. and then they have access to primary welfare care, food, clothing, opportunity to clean up, and then supplementary care, medical services, dentistry, um, accommodation, finding accommodation for people, advice on benefits, linking into other specialist agencies. We then have a further piece of the jigsaw, a very important piece of the jigsaw, where uh, people... Uh, when they get better enough, have the opportunity of employable skills training and getting work experience in our social enterprise. So that whole package is geared towards providing what we would call holistic support to the individual. Mm.
0: Why are these people homeless? What
4: what are the stories that lead them into this situation? They're, they're myriad. Uh, there is no single issue um, uh, from being in chaos perhaps suffering from mental ill health, subject to addiction, substance misuse, or the recession. Mm. If I tell you one aspect of what's happening at the moment is uh, a sanctions process, where if someone is not deemed to be following whatever the lay-down process is of seeking employment, Mm. then they will be sanctioned. Sanctioned means that their benefits are withdrawn. So in effect, in one fell swoop, they're destitute. Now, we have increasing numbers coming to us who are in that circumstance, mm. and there will be various reasons why, why that may be, may be so. There is a, a saying that all of us are two steps from the street, mm. and uh, we have had, I'll give you an example of one, one person who became redundant, and whatever the circumstances of their life, that redundancy caused them to lose their home, their family, Mm. straight onto the streets. And we have uh, one such person I can give you an example of who experienced exactly that, came to us through our night shelter five years ago, then began to volunteer with us. Then we found out what skills this man had. Mm. He became a driver for us. We peeled another layer, found out that he was an expert handyman. Fantastic. Another layer, he was an expert carpenter. Another layer, he's an expert photographer, mm. and he's used all of those skills. And that's what's hidden within the inner core of the individual. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting you say that because uh,
0: yes, I've, I've often I often uh, sit down and have a little chat with, with homeless people in London. If I you know because I find it fascinating to find out how they've ended up there, and it is. A couple of bad decisions, a
4: couple of bits of bad luck, it could happen to you, it could happen to me, anytime. any time. It's all it takes. Any time. Yeah. Any time. can happen, and I've seen it happen. We had another chap who worked with British Aerospace in Bristol, mm. ended up in the night shelter here three years ago, because he'd become redundant. Am mm. I right there's not a shelter in Luton? You're right, there isn't... Uh, Why is that? There isn't a shelter... Um, the local authority for the moment, uh, and we're working with the local authority uh, to persuade them otherwise, um, aren't investing in a night shelter, and I think it's absolutely critical. Uh, one of the, the primary steps, a very important step in helping people off the streets, is to have that emergency shelter where you get that space of one or two days to find more settled accommodation. Um, and that's, that's missing. There is a night shelter in, in Bedford and there isn't one in Central Bed, so that's, that's a mm. problem. And that's one of the things we will be addressing uh, with the uh, the project that we're undertaking. And if people are, are struggling, do they come to you or do you go and find them? Uh, a bit of both. We, uh, for people who are on the streets, we will actively go and find them. We will go onto the streets and find them. A um, couple of examples about uh, six months ago there was a gentleman who came to our attention who was uh, living shall I say with his three dogs in a makeshift tent in uh, scrubland on mm. the edges of Luton he is now through working with us settled with mm. his three dogs in accommodation um, in the last two weeks a gentleman that we've been working with over four years who has got serious mental health issues um, and we've been working to try and get a remedy for him. and in the last three months with the cooperation and this is the great thing of partnership, cooperation of the mental health services and the Luton Police Force, that combination with ourselves, that gentleman is now in treatment, his life is transformed, if I showed you a picture of the before and after you wouldn't believe it mm. that's the effect and impact that that can be made well, Jim, keep up the good work. Thank you very much for coming in. Uh, if, if, is
0: there a website if people want to find out more about the Noah Enterprise?
4: Absolutely. www.noenterprise.org. And coincidentally, it's just been refreshed. Oh. So it's uh, oh. so something interesting to see this weekend. Brilliant. Listen, thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate it. Pleasure, to your time.
1: On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Eight four five nine four 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Beverly's in St. Albans. Good morning, Beverly.
16: Good morning, Ian.
0: What can I do for you?
16: Hi, I just wanted to make a point that kind of recognised the need
10: for school closures. Right. In St. Albans, most of the kids can walk to school. And certainly in our areas, they serve a relatively small area except for the secondary school where the kids come in. Yeah. Problem is, most of the teachers live in outlying districts. Right. And. Um, Last so? time there was, well, last time there was significant snow and the schools tried to stay open. Yeah. Three teachers um, at the primary school had accidents on the way in.
0: Right. Um, that, but every, it, listen, everyone. I, I don't live near BBC Three Counties. If it snows, I've got to come in. People who don't live near their work, if if it snows, they generally have to go in. Why, why should it be different yeah, for teachers?
10: But I'm, I'm just saying, it's not different for teachers. But you know, do well,
0: then, people have to go in? Yes, they do. Of course, it is. Their jobs. Of course, they do. I have a response. Well, if I didn't turn up, th- th- there'd be no radio show. No great loss, many people would say. But uh, you, you can't just not go into work because it's got bad weather.
10: Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is it worth actually risking injury?
0: No, you, you just drive carefully. I've, n- I've driven the in the snow are loads of times. Impossible. I've never had an accident. Not if the roads are impassable. Oh, the, the, listen, Beverly, I think you'll. You, you, come on, listen. They're responsible for kids. If you've got a job, you turn up. I can't not turn up just. ah, oh, so I can't come into there. It's bad weather. I'll get up early, and I'll give an extra hour, extra two hours to try and get in. Simple as. Morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the next hour before JVS at nine, including a Luton man who fled Lanzarote, uh, Luton mum, sorry, who fled Lanzarote with her young son to escape her fauna- former partner, has not seen the boy for over three months. We'll find out what she can do about it next A number of schools in the three counties are already shut, even though there's no snow. Man up, schools. Justin Dealey will be reading you a list of schools in the next ten minutes. Just to reiterate, Justin Dealey will be reading you a list of schools in the next ten minutes. Should schools have made that decision before the weather gets worse, or are they just being lazy? And a Bedford man is fed up with motorists where he lives. They keep crashing into his car. It's happened five times. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can see where he parks his car. I've just looked at the comments. He ain't getting much support. He's not getting much support from you. Go and have a look and let us know what you think. Or you can give us a call. 08459 455
1: 555. BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: A Luton woman accused of abducting her son from Lanzarote says he's now being kept from her. Marie Roach left the Canaries because she says her relationship with the son's dad was abusive. Since then, the boy's father has been sent to prison and the child is being cared for by his grandmother. She told me earlier why she was forced to kidnap Dylan.
12: You know, we had a a four-and-a-half-year-old little boy who was suffering terrible head injuries, um, spent time in hospital, would literally cling to me crying his eyes out, saying, Mummy, please, can I stay with you? I don't want to go to Daddy. He hits me. You know, I even have police reports, police officers that have witnessed little Dylan saying that to, to the police themselves. Mm. Um, and it finally gets to the point where you think, this cannot continue. The plan is basically for Dylan to be found, Dylan to be located, to be back with me as soon as possible.
0: And how are you doing that?
12: my solicitor he's been absolutely fantastic things are, you know finalized over there in lanzarote even though it's taken a ridiculous mm. long time it was only the week before last that i came back from lanzarote mm. i was there so
0: you've been out there looking for I him i have yes yeah. exactly yeah.
12: and the spanish guardia civil they've also been looking for dylan i know from the difference in the dialing tone there's a distinct difference between a uk or ireland dialing tone on the phone mm. Or if she was in Lanzarote, it's a different... So you're saying you think Mm. that
0: she has moved to Ireland or the UK somewhere? She's somewhere. Well, Joanna Abrahams is a family lawyer from Watford who deals with this kind of case regularly. Morning, Joanna. Good morning. Legally, how does Marie stand here?
17: Um, Well, uh, the... Spain is a, a signatory to what's called the Hague Convention, and so, so are we over here, which means that if a child is wrongfully removed, that is to say, without the consent of the other parent or knowledge of the other parent, then um, and abducted, let's say, to England, and we in England have an obligation to get that child back to Spain. And in Spain, they will make decisions about whether there has been abuse and so on and so forth. So the law says you cannot just simply remove a child unilaterally of your own own free will. It has to be with consent and knowledge of the other parent. Now, I understand that she's saying there has been abuse, but it is for the Spanish authorities to investigate that abuse, and if necessary, put... Safeguards in place. It's not for her to have removed the child.
0: She was suggesting that um, the the, the attitude in Lanzarote uh, it it was that kind of um, manana manana thing, where everything just drags on and on and on. Should she have been more patient?
17: Well, uh, the the way it works is, is, I mean, I can't comment obviously on the Spanish Spanish social services, but um, what we would say over here is, assuming that there are protective measures in place such as a social services in Spain, and we know it's a modern country, it's not backwards in time, then there should be protective measures over there. Now, what we don't know is, did she go to the police? Did the police fail her? Did she approach social services? Did they do nothing? We don't know enough about this to be able to comment as to what specifically, obviously, has been going on. But the generic rule is that these decisions and investigations should be where the child was habitually resident. That's really the best place to make them, and that was Lanzarote.
0: Does the situation change? And again, I know we don't want to talk necessarily about the specific case, but in general generalities. Because the father's now in prison in Spain, yeah. so surely th- th- it would make more sense for the, the kid to go with the other parent who's not in prison?
17: Well, logically, one might think that. However, mm. and when she removed the child, she probably did so. Um, well, I, I'm guessing she did it without telling him. But that he, the child also has a paternal family. So, what the court will look at is if the child stays with his his paternal family, mm. um, will he still have contact with mum and so a relate have a relationship with both sides of the family? Because if he were to stay with mum alone, what are the chances of her extending that so that he would have a relationship? with his paternal family Mm. so there has to be a balance what the court will look at when it comes to deciding where the child is going to live eventually is what's in this child's best interests, and 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 contact with both sides of the family is important
0: well she doesn't know where where dylan is now that that can't be fair can it
17: you're right and and i'm not and i'm not entirely certain why she's not Mm. been told where um he is that's got
0: to be against the rules hasn't it
17: the, the, uh, again, it, it's pretty difficult to guess. She yes. should know where her child is. There's, there's no logical reason why she shouldn't, unless there is a significant risk that she will try and abduct him right. again. And there may be a decision in the Spanish court to that effect saying that having heard the evidence... We rather view that. I think it's highly unlikely they would do that. The general rule would be: would well, to keep his passport away, and if she has contact, to make sure it's supervised. So why she doesn't know where he is, I don't know, and I'm not quite certain that she. I've heard an explanation from her as to why the authorities have said we're not telling you where
0: he mm. is.
17: We can only guess.
0: Is there, bearing in mind, if someone has abducted their child mm. and then had the child returned? Mm. How, how likely is it that that person, the abductor, will get full custody of their child at some point in the future?
17: Well, I deal with this on um, a pretty much day-to-day basis. Uh, it's very, very common, and um, but what would normally happen is the court has the power in England to uh, uh, and will uh, almost inevitably order the return of the child to the jurisdiction, and say it is an abducting mother, as a rule, it's normally a mum who's left a broken relationship, often an English mum who's come back home and sent a Dear John letter. Mm. Um, They can order the child home, and inevitably the mother will follow the child or or accompany the child but once they're back in that country let's say they um, are sent back to spain and the father may make an application over there immediately for residence um, of the child and maybe even an order preventing the mother removing him from his care until the spanish um, hearings have gone ahead so it it will really depend on what actions the left behind parent takes in that in the country Mm. where the kid was before they were removed
0: it's such a complicated mess jana abrahams family lawyer from watford Thank you very much indeed.
1: On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Well... I've, I've been teasing you. I've been teasing you with this, yes. I've promised you at some point in the show you would hear the dulcet tones of Justin Dealey reading a list of schools. <laughs> it's going to happen now. Justin? Oh, Ian, good morning. Should we sing them? What do you think? Uh, d- 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 I've got no idea how to make this even vaguely interesting to the 98% of our listeners who haven't got kids at school. Well, but I-, I know you can do it, Justin. I know you can sprinkle magic on this. I've
11: got a little song for you, Ian. Oh, I've been thinking about this on the way it. from Bedford. Okay. J- hang on a second. Hang on a second. Yeah. Let's Okay.
0: Justin Dealey yeah. is going to sing you. You some schools. Yes, now, okay, before schools, I want to sing oh, a song about you. <laughs> no, about God, you, first God, of all. No, I'm worried. I've been God. thinking about this,
11: it's work in progress. Yeah. Ian Lee, he likes the snow, he looks great in a dicky bow, and after the show, he's got to go. What do you think?
0: um Yeah, I think that's kind of actually a little bit creepy. Yeah, yeah. It was meant to be. I've got um, a song for you, I've got a song for you. Have a listen on, to this. Justin Dealey, he's so feely. When I see him, I want to touch his face. Do your shut up, do your shirt up. That hairy chest is a disgrace. That was very hey, impressive, that's actually. That's not bad, is it? Uh? Yeah,
11: yeah, good stuff. Thank so you very much. Shall we get on to the serious stuff now? The, School the closures. Okay, I'm going to make a cup of uh, tea yes, and have okay. a wee. Let me know when you're done. You go and do that. The list uh, has been getting bigger since 6 o'clock this morning. Ian, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read out the ones which are closed, not the ones which are going to be closing early so these are the ones which are definitely closed today the majority of them they're in Buckinghamshire hope you're still there Ian uh, so the Booker Hill School the Brill Church of England Combined School the Cadmore End Church of England School the Chilton Gate School the Clayton's Primary School the Israeli School and Children's Centre also the Downley School the Freeth Church of England Combined School the Great Missenden Church of England the High Wickham Church of England Maplewood School and also West Wickham combined School. So those are the ones in Buckinghamshire. Uh, as for the lovely Hertfordshire this morning, the Nicholas Brakespeare School in St Albans that's closed. That's due to a gas leak. The Westfield Community Primary heating failure there. The Colnebrook Special they're closed all day. As is uh, Nicholas Breakspear. Mentioned that one a few moments ago. Roman Fields. Don't in start Hemmell.
0: mentioning the schools twice, <laughs> Deal. It's bad enough you're doing it at once. <laughs> this
11: script has just been sent to me. Okay. And okay. um, Southfields in Hap- Field. That one's closed. As for Bedfordshire today, just the one there, that's uh, St. George's School in Dunstable. But as I say, that list is growing. It's been growing since 6 o'clock this morning. Obviously, I'm not in Buckinghamshire. It could be snowing there. I'm in Bedfordshire. Yes, it may be cold. I'm standing outside the Warden Hill <laughs> Infant School. We're going to be going into the school
0: very soon. It's cold here, but still yeah. no snow. We had um, a, a Polish fella phone up, right? He's got a school in Poland. Yeah, I heard that. It's interesting. School, and they have a a lot of snow in Poland. Uh, And the school was only cancelled once when they had two foot of snow. Mm. That's the only (laughs) time. Apart from that, they had to carry on with their schoolwork. It does make you wonder. You know, we
11: we spoke to Steve earlier on. He just thought it was an absolute joke. He said, well, the schools are closed already. He says, where's the snow then? He says, when I went to school, I never had one day off due to the snow, uh, even on the day itself. A lot of these schools, of course, announced yesterday they were closing. But but that's precautionary for them. Uh, In Buckinghamshire, it can be bad, (laughs) yes. Okay. Oh,
0: we, had a woman, just, we had a woman phone up. I said, <laughs> right, come on, you're not being fair on these teachers. Yeah, How are yeah. they supposed to get into school mm. when it's snowing? Uh, tough. Listen, I can't, I can't phone up my boss and say, I'm really sorry, Laura, I can't come in today. It's been snowing. I have to make pre- preparations. I yeah. get up an hour and a half earlier, two hours earlier if I need to. But then again, you know, we're all adults. If you've
11: got a. a I'm, I'm trying to be impartial here. <laughs> if we have a school full of kids yeah. and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and the parents can't collect them, it's Friday. Then what? Walk
0: home. Walk home, kids, through the snow. They might be too young to walk home. You're a silly sausage. <laughs> You're too soft you are, Justin Dealey. It made, uh, made that as interesting as it could be. Thank you very much for that, Justin. Right. <laughs> Nearly 8.15. Look at that. Flying by the weekend so close. I can almost smell it. OK, okay I've just gone to Twitter. Right. Twop Twips, my favourite. Do you follow Twop Twips, Jonathan? No. Oh, it's, 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 top tips from Viz. OK, it's very funny, It's a bit rude. Right. At Twop Twips. They've just done a brilliant one, which totally sums up my whole attitude to this. Teachers, why not have a training day where you learn to drive in snow? <laughs> <laughs> you see, it makes sense. They're naughty, naughty teachers. Call the midwife. returns Sunday
1: night at 8 on BBC <laughs> One and BBC
0: One HD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've well, got to watch telly. That's what that advert is saying.
18: Yes, Don't uh, listen to the radio. But as we speak, yes. they're advertising your show on BBC One. Oh, I'm are quite they? sure. That's yes. why
0: I've not seen the adverts for this show on BBC One. Okay, <laughs> yes. cool. What on earth are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to be so blunt. <laughs> well, this were, is you know,
18: my snow gear.
0: It looks like well, you look like you're a camouflaged fifteen-year-old boy.
18: (laughs) This is my uh, humbug top. (laughs) I look like a mint humbug. Oh, bless you! But you've got I've got three T-shirts on. Look at that! Yes, I've uh, got my my thick corduroys on. Let me see see trousers. Let's let's have a little look. My (laughs) thick uh, corduroys (laughs) on. I've got my corduroys. I I like thick cords, and I've got my (laughs) snowshoes.
3: Are they clerks? <laughs> they clerks, aren't they? Good yes.
18: They only come out in the snow. Oh, you look—you look so cute. Uh, I want to give you a big I hug. Th- do you? And say, It'll be all right. I wouldn't. I might
0: still be a little germy. Or oh, have you still got that? Um, oh yeah. Oh dear. Yep. Yeah. You're right. You're not. Now listen. What? It's snowing. And I've got a long drive, and I'm, even, I'm still not complaining, because it's going to be beautiful. Driving across to Gloucester, driving th- through some of the most beautiful countryside in, in, in the world, looking at the snow, the icicles, gonna be gorgeous. You're a bit grumpy about it still, are you?
18: Uh, well, grumpy about the snow. Yeah, I hate snow, yeah. because everything will grind to a halt. When the snow comes today, which we're all being told it definitely will do, yes. the country will absolutely grind to a halt. Yes. You mark my words. Everything will stop. People will be stranded. You'll have, uh, you'll have cars being abandoned at the side of the road. You and your drive to Gloucester. Yeah. Genuinely, I'm worried. Why? I've you tried. said
0: earlier you've not even got your blanket with you. I've forgotten the blanket. The car is, I- I- is empty. But I know how to drive in the snow. Yes, but other people don't. Well, Lucky. So
18: well you'll end up though. in a traffic jam oh. with all these people whose cars—they're BMWs and Mercedes—they'll all be spinning around at the back, yeah. and uh, and you'll be stuck there. And my
0: heating is the technical term knackered. Oh, no. There's no heater in the car. Ian,
18: I'm worried about This might be the last time I see you. It's
0: very nice working with it's you. I've, been, I've really enjoyed it. Lovely working with you, too.
18: What's on your show this morning? Well, we're continuing this discussion that you've been having. You're getting very fired up this morning, aren't you, about school closures? I'm,
0: I'm angry. I, I'm angry about it.
18: Well, from nine this morning, I'm asking whether all the schools should be shut no. today. Uh, We're getting lots of messages into Three Counties Radio about school closures following continued warnings about the snow. Most, as you've been saying, are in Buckinghamshire. Some schools in South Buckinghamshire announced yesterday lunchtime that they'd be closed all day today. Others say they're planning to close at 2pm today. Uh, There are also 15 schools in Hertfordshire that are shutting, just one in Bedfordshire. Mm. The question is... And I'm sitting upstairs on my computer, and uh, the little red warning is coming up on the BBC News website that 200 schools have just shut yep. down in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight as the snow starts to move across. The weather forecast is that this snow is coming our way today. Yeah. That by mid morning today, we're going to have serious snow. Yeah. So, are the schools that are still opening, even though we've had this amber weather warning for today, yeah. are they foolish? To be opening today no. do you think all schools should have taken the decision to to shut today for the safety of the pupils for the safety oh. of the teachers oh. for the safety oh. of
0: the parents dropping their children off <sighs> i want your views at nine are you all right we What's- had a polish fella on right he went to school in poland i don't know, if you know poland they have quite a bit of snow yes school was closed once when there was two foot of snow that's the only time they closed his polish school here oh it might snow later on we're gonna cl- we're gonna close the schools we don't want anyone to get wet and play in the snow noise me broken britain this is why this country is on its backside well from nine this morning i'd like
18: to hear whether you agree with ian or not should all the schools be shut today or do you think it's outrageous that some of them have shut already does it show namby pamby lily livered britain at its worst your views from nine I look forward
0: to listening. What's the telephone number? 08459 455 555. In case you missed it, here's a lady saying it.
1: Call 08459 455 555.
18: 08459
0: 455 555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Now, when you park your car outside, you hope your car is going to be safe and it it won't get damaged. Well, imagine what it must be like to have five of your vehicles written off because drivers keep crashing into them. That's exactly what's happened to a Bedford man. Howard Hall says drivers are blinded by the low-lying sun. BBC Three Counties reporter Serena Farrow went to meet him.
2: I was expecting a big corner, but actually it's just a little slight bend, isn't it? Yeah, it's just
7: a gentle bend, but the... The problems with the low-lying sun, first thing in the morning, people not clearing their windscreens. They come round the bend, the sun comes over the tops of houses blinds them and they just come straight into the cars do
2: you park up there on the side of the road as opposed to in your drive
7: we're not allowed to park on the verge because we now get fined for that so we were previously parking on the verge for safety so we park on the road we have uh, allocated parking around the back so there's room for one car but t- every household around they've got two cars so we generally have an overspill onto the road and we've had two cars written off there now in three weeks
2: three weeks yeah
7: yeah so my next one neighbor she had hers done then mine was done all the actions have been first thing in the morning and it, it's the combination of the sun and people not clearing their windscreens and just going straight into parked vehicles
2: and luckily you've never been inside the cars that have been smashed into
7: thankfully no no, we never had any children in there, but we do obviously have to use the road obviously to get the children in and out of the cars, school and shopping and stuff. It's a busy road and it can be quite scary at some times. You have to sort of be very careful on, on there. No, a fifth car in eight years, but since I've been here that's fourteen cars that have been hit.
2: Including neighbours and whatnot. Yeah. And people could say, Well, why don't you park elsewhere? It's not as simple as that though.
7: You generally have nowhere because of the houses round the back, it's very congested, so we have no option but to use the road at some points.
2: And clearly you've complained to the council.
7: I've spoken to our local councillor Charles Royden on I'd say four or five occasions. Initially we were hoping for a lay-by to come in there. It was when they were doing yeah, the lay-by down at Barnsville Road and that was being done and we were told that we, we wouldn't be far off that. We then had, obviously the economic climate changed so that went the wayside. I've looked at other ways to for a safety solution. The green belt at the side of the house i've inquired about purchasing that they said no because it reduces their percentage of green belt so i looked to put a drive in and i had it all drawn out but they wouldn't sell me the land i had the application for the drop down curb that was in principle uh, agreed but they wouldn't give me the land to to actually put the drive in talking to a a neighbor he said previously the petition was raised because of the, the safety but since then the roads got busier and we've still not got an outcome that's suitable
2: i'm amazed that your insurance company still plays out after all this time
7: yes yeah, so the last on this one thankfully everyone has stopped who's hit the cars but we've lost money now in terms of the value of the car that we bought last year to cover a, a previous accident so i'm down financially on that they are questioning obviously where we're parking the cars now and i've got to have that discussion with them now when i now go and purchase a new car about where that's going to be stored and it's not that We want to put it into a dangerous position, but I haven't got any other alternative
0: apart from parking on the verge and getting a fine of £30 a day. Well, you heard his name evoked there. Liberal Democrat councillor Charles Royden is responsible for highways and transport uh, at Bedford Borough Council. Morning, Charles. Good morning. Uh, What's the solution?
19: Well, the solution is to make sure that where you park your car, you're very careful if you think that it's going to cause an obstruction in the road um do park sensibly uh, this particular road has got traffic calming measures it's got speed bumps it's got traffic islands we're putting in a 20 mile an hour speed limit on that road to slow traffic down and uh, and i just caution uh, everybody uh, make sure that when you park your car you do so very very carefully if you've got allocated parking such as this gentleman has at the back of his house then please do use it
0: well he says that you can't though, so there's no room to park
19: yeah, well, there's always alternative places to park if you think you're going to park in a dangerous place. I mean, there are lots of side roads where you could park your vehicle if you felt that it was a particularly dangerous location. Um, lots of people do park on Tyne Crescent and, uh, and don't have accidents. This is unfortunate that this gentleman has obviously had his car in the wrong place at the wrong time.
0: OK, well, Keith Butcher, uh, Keith Butcher also lives in Bedfordshire, is the local representative for the safe driving organisation I am. Uh, Keith, you're well aware of this problem on Tyne Crescent, aren't you?
20: Yes, indeed. i uh, seen it reported locally in the newspaper... And, obviously, it's much cause for concern.
0: D- d- 20 miles per hour, uh, the reducing the limit to that, is that really going to make any difference, do you think, Keith?
20: I think, really, it's driver education, that um, <clears throat> when you come into a built-up area and there are parked vehicles, you always need to be looking ahead as far as you can see, driving within the limit of what you can see, and, more importantly, driving in a manner that you can stop safely if a hazard suddenly develops
0: uh and d- is there anything that can be done about this this keith to, to to this has happened so many times in this area hasn't it
20: yeah i think in relation to the problem we're talking about the sun uh, you know blinding oncoming motorists the best advice we could give is simply that lower your uh, visor so it cuts the degree of the sun out because obviously this time of year the sun's very low in mm. the sky plus when there are wet road conditions, particularly you know if it's icy as well, that causes reflective clear from the road, and that adds to the problem. But the key message is, is drive safely, be able to stop on your side of the road in the distance in which you see, to be clear. So it's a reduction of speed and improved driving.
0: Charles, why can't the residents park on, on the grass verge?
19: I think that's very good advice. Um, well, residents uh, can't park on grass verges where it's going to cause a lot of damage. Now, I think this gentleman did have a ticket from the police for parking his vehicle yes. and causing an obstruction. And, uh, and the police will do that if you park your car in an inconsiderate manner. And some verges, as a borough council, we protect because we don't want the verges to all be chewed up by cars and look like, you know, you can look really like an agricultural field if you're not careful. And underneath the grass you have cables, you have pipes, and it can cause all manner of damage. Um, I think the suggestion has been made that we should just build uh, you know, a, a lay-by. I, I, w- I really do wish we had the money to to, to buy lay-bys and, and to put them in everywhere. But, you know, unfortunately, in these really difficult economic times, I mean, you've, you've had a wonderful article on your programme this morning about uh, providing night shelters. And Bedford, you know, we provide a night shelter. but They don't provide that loot, and they don't provide it in central Bedfordshire. So you have to look where you allocate very scarce resources.
0: OK, I'm going to end because I've got absolutely no idea what the connection is between those two stories, Charles. I don't, don't quite know where you're going off on that tangent. Thank you very much, Steph. Coming on, Charles Royden uh, and Keith Butcher. There's not much sympathy on Facebook. Let's pick a couple at random. Uh, Kyle says, Darth place to park a car. Uh, Gary says, so, he wants the council to stop the sun coming out. Uh, Amanda says, has Mr Hall asked the council to move the sun? If you don't ask, you don't get. And then on Twitter... I've just seen uh, another. Uh, Sarah says, please stop talking about the idiot with his car in the sun. Have you got no sympathy for him? 08459 455
1: 555. On FM, AM, and online. BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: It's <sighs> Friday. That means a little bit of music at the end of the show. Who have we got coming in later? I'll tell you in a bit. And should schools have shut in advance of the snow? Many here in the three counties have. Justin Dealey has been finding out whether you think teachers are being sensible or have been a little bit too quick to close the schools. Now, you may remember last week we were talking about housing issues with the councillor in charge of housing at Central Beds Council, Carol Hegley. Around 7,000 of the ho- houses in Central Bedfordshire could be built on Greenbelt land to the north of Luton and south of the villages of Sundon and Stretley. I put this question to Carol. In the Coalition's programme update, they're saying that the Greenbelt is being maintained, but you say you're going to build on the Greenbelt. H- how does that work?
6: Uh, well... <sighs> Obviously, uh, if you're talking about um, the, the current sort of growth proposals, then there are some areas that, that touch on the green belt. But as we know at the moment, you know they are growth proposals, um, and you know uh, uh, that's why I'm so sensitive to the fact that we should be using empty homes rather than building extra. With 2,000 empty homes, yeah. is a lot.
0: So, is, is, so the green, but you are going to build on the green belt, which which does go against against the coalition program update.
6: Uh, I think it touches on the green belt in some areas, but we're not talking about occupying swathes of green belt here at all. Um, so you know, it, it, it's um, urban expansions, that type of thing. So you know, it's not all just you know mass building across our green countryside.
0: How, how much of the green belt is going to be used?
6: Um, I I couldn't honestly give you that answer um, offhand as, as a percentage or uh, you know. A, a geographical area
0: because it does seem it does seem slightly contradictory, doesn't it? The, the coalition say green belt safe, I'm not going to touch that, and then you're going well. Actually, we're, we're going to touch it.
6: Uh, well, as I said, it's it's you know it's not mass growth in the green belt at all. Um, and if you want the exact details, then obviously I'd have to come back and revisit that because it's not my okay. particular
0: specialist area. Maybe we can have a chat next week about that, if, if that's OK, Carol? Yeah, sure. that
6: yeah, be I lovely. i get some well, more
0: detail. I don't have Carol on the line, but Nigel Young is the councillor in charge of strategic planning. Morning, Nigel. Morning again, Ian. What, what is, is the answer? Because Carol says that the building on the green belt won't be on a huge swathe of land, but the green belt to the north of Luton and south of villages like Sundon, that's over 900 acres. That's a swathe, isn't it?
9: Well, it, it is the Greenbelt, yes, and there is an awful lot of rhetoric that accompanies the government's um, uh, advice and information on whether the green Greenbelt will, will be protected. I wonder if I could just briefly uh, point you to w- what's called the National Planning Policy Framework, which deals with Greenbelt. And that's the document that the government released around a year ago yeah. that uh, replaced all the planning guidance that the previous government had in place. So there's a lot of publicity about that. Uh, And what it says, uh, paragraph 83 is what I'm looking at, Um, once established, greenbelt boundaries should only be altered in exceptional circumstances through the preparation or review of a local plan. So it actually says if there are exceptional circumstances, it's yeah. perfectly in order to release areas of Greenbelt. Well, what but are the exceptional circumstances? In, well, particularly for urban extension. Okay.
0: So what are the exceptional circumstances?
9: Well, in the case of north of Houghton Regis, it provides uh, valuable infrastructure that this area needs. For instance, the A5 M1 Link Road, mm. which will bring huge economic benefits. Uh, To the, slightly to the east of the A5M1, the the new Link Road, there'll be Junction 11A, which would facilitate, and it's in our local plan, uh, uh, a rail freight interchange, which would bring 2,000 jobs.
0: And Uh, and so that's, that. you would define that as exceptional?
9: Well, we're looking to bring 27,000 jobs into central Bedfordshire over the next 20 years. So you would define,
0: just to clarify, you would define that as exceptional circumstances? We would. If I can just point you briefly to the coalition programme update uh, that says uh, we'll maintain the green belt.
9: But the the national planning policy framework says we'll maintain the green belt. But the coalition
0: programme update, which is more recent, says we'll maintain the green belt. uh, Rhetoric
9: does not replace law.
0: Okay so you you're basically going to go against you're basically
9: saying the coalition program update is wrong. I'm following the coalition's policy in the national planning okay, policy. So framework. I'm just
0: just just saying just to clarify the, you're saying the coalition program update that says it will quote will maintain the green belt. Unquote. You're saying that that is wrong.
9: Well, I wonder if you're talking about the growth and infrastructure bill. I'm just quoting. No,
0: I'm just quoting this. I just want to clarify this because this is quite important, Nigel. Uh, the coalition program update says it will maintain the green belt, and you're saying that that that, that is overridden by this this book that came this, this law that came out a year before.
9: Yes, if the okay. un- t- unless the government passes new laws okay. to replace the national okay. policy framework.
0: So the coalition have got it wrong in their. Program updates.
9: Uh, unless they pass, it's a, a si- really law. simple yes or no question, Nigel. It's not. It's, it is. It's a question. It is. It's a really simple yes or no. To give you no, it does not The answer, unless the coalition changes oh, the law, sakes, the really. national planning policy framework Can I... is currently the law.
0: It's a simple yes or no question, Nigel. Are you saying that the coalition program update that says it will maintain the green belt is wrong? Yes. Thank
9: you very much. You see, it was simple. We got there in the end. Yes, and you do make it difficult, don't you? Well, I ask you th- I, what I don't like, what no, I really don't like. When you start these arguments, you, yes, you yes. prevent the public getting information. No, I don't, and Nigel. I'm trying to give the public information. I know, and, and i And the public deserve to they know do. why we need to build 5,000 homes north of Howton Region.
0: And I tell you what, uh, Nigel, as, as having been a member of the public, people are also really annoyed when politicians and councillors won't answer a simple yes or no question. Yeah,
9: have it your way, Ian. Is that really the best you can do? No, it's not the best I can do, but when I face such questioning from you as yes. I did yesterday morning as well, and you, you are... prevent the public getting No, I don't the Nigel. Facts.
0: The public want a yes or no question. They don't like it when people fudge around an answer. You've given a qu- you've given a yes or no
9: answer. Congratulations. Well done. Well, I'm grateful to you for congratulating me. Oh, for goodness sakes, really?
0: Really? Is that the best we can we can put up? He's bad. I don't want him on the show anymore. I don't want Nigel Young on the show anymore. If that's the best he can do... Listen, people get really annoyed when they're not given a yes or no answer, when people are asking a simple question, fudging around it. We got to a yes or no answer in the end. It was dead simple. Is that really the best we can do? Unbelievable.
1: On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Right, let's have a look at the front pages of some of the newspapers, shall we? Oh, dearie me. Just a simple yes or no question. It's all you've got to do. He's given his facts. Answer the question. Right, the Guardian. Oh, should we do the caller? Oh, yes, let's do that. Ruth's in High Wycombe. Morning, Ruth. Morning. Uh, t- wh- what's your take on these schools that are closing?
16: Um, well, I'm sorry, but I think they should be closed for the safety of the teachers, right. the children and the family um my son goes to school on a hill we live in High Wickham he goes to school on the top of a hill um, and the school doesn't close um, I've kept my son off today because I value my family um, my car doesn't get up the hill in the snow um, I will be putting myself at risk my, my son at risk if I send him to school today so the school could have closed it made everybody's life easier last Monday when it snowed um,
0: Hello? Yeah, I'm listening.
16: Oh, that's right, sorry. Um, Last Monday, when it snowed, um, my husband, who's partially sighted, had to walk down Brevenham Hill Woods Road with my son, who's partially sighted. Um, There's nowhere to park. uh, Sorry, there's nowhere to walk. The people were driving down this road with no lights on. They were driving down the hill really fast. They were putting my son's life at risk, my husband's life at risk, because there were no buses because of the snow. So the only way he had to get home was um, to walk or to find somebody that got a 4x4. Four four. Um, I work in London, so I wasn't in the picture. Um, and luckily, this very kind lady did stop in a 4x4, four four and she actually saved their life because uh, several accidents happened on that hill. Um, you know, And I think that if they'd closed the school, um, then they wouldn't have put my family at risk.
0: I would suggest that there are extenuating circumstances with your son being partially sighted.
16: Well, yes and no. I mean, Every, everyone else, get on with it. No, I mean, there are other children in the school with disabilities. Um, people come from far and far and wide. I mean, originally it was just the community in the village that went to the school, but now it extends right out into High Wickham and down the hills, and High Wickham's notorious for hills and the snow. I mean, it's snowing now, and the road's covered, and people will start panicking any time now. It's pretty awful.
0: But why, why are they panicking, Ruth? Why would people be panicking?
16: Um, I think it goes back to 2009. I mean, I'm traumatised by the snow from 2009.
0: What happened in Uh, 2009 that traumatised you?
16: Well, you know, um, the 21st of December, I was driving back from work. I was on the M40. Um, I was at Junction 2. There was no snow, and I got to Junction 3, and there was so much snow that we had to abandon the car, and I had to walk, like, three miles down a hill um, and my husband was walking up the hill, and just the whole sheer fact that, you know, no one could get anywhere, which always happens when it snows. What was the
0: traumatic bit?
16: Um, I think being stuck in the snow, I still, like, really? I still get really worried when I see see the snow now. And maybe, yeah, that's one reason I kept my son off today, but, you know, it's safety. So I think, you know, the the, the governors and the head teachers should think about the teachers, because I'm sure
0: there's teachers that are traumatised in the fact that, you know... They, I, I, Ruth, I, I, can I just say, and no disrespect to you, you've obviously had a, an emotional experience, you're the first person I've ever spoken to who's been traumatised because they got stuck in the snow. And obviously yeah, it's had an impact well, on you, horrible. but... Well, I'm sure it was horrible. Uh, and I've been stuck in the snow, uh, uh, but it, uh, I, I would suspect that you're in a minority. And also, if it snows, I have to get to work, other people have to get to work. You, you make plans around that. You leave an hour early. You, you, you do things to accommodate that.
16: Yeah, but if you live in Buckinghamshire and certainly in High Wycombe, you can do that but you, can, you go one step up and two steps back, you don't get there.
0: Ruth, listen, thank, I, thank you very much for your call. I appreciate that. 08459 four double five five double five. Listen, I would imagine this, yes, her son is partially sighted and there are other uh, disabled children at the school. Yes. Then of course there are I- extenuating circumstances and you're completely right to keep them home. I wouldn't argue with that but for everyone else i mean really i keep throwing back to this polish lad who who, uh, went to school in poland where they have a lot of snow and uh they only closed the school once he had two foot of snow and that was it apart from that they just kept carrying on i do think there's kind of a, a an attitude of well it's a little bit of snow Today, JVS is going to be asking, should all, sco- all schools be closed today? Now, at what point should schools decide to close because of the bad weather? Before it snows, to give parents advance warning, or as and when it happens? Well, a number of schools in Buckinghamshire made that decision yesterday. Many have decided to close. We can speak now to BBC Three County's reporter, Justin Dealey, who's who's been to a school in Luton. Is that correct? Oh, yes, Ian. Is it chilly?
11: freezing. Absolutely freezing. I'm at the Warden Hill Junior School in Luton this morning. They are definitely open today. Lots of schools in Buckinghamshire announced yesterday they will be closed for today. A few moments ago, I was speaking to Diana Williams, the deputy head.
21: We've been monitoring the forecast really closely. I was up and down all night looking out of the window and the Met Office says that the the chance of snow here was 60% light snow and on the strength of that... Uh, we, didn't have, you know, we didn't have a course to close.
11: We've heard about a number of schools in Buckinghamshire that are closed today. A lot of those were announced yesterday. In all of your years of teaching, have you ever known that, a school saying we're going to be closed tomorrow because of snow, despite there being no snow at that stage?
21: I haven't. I've been teaching, say, over 30 years, and all the schools that I've taught in, I can't remember that ever happening before.
11: Why do you think that is the case? Because for, for some people this morning, they can't understand why these schools have announced they're closed.
21: They must, if, if they've got children that are being brought in, perhaps by buses from further afield, from further afield, um, they may be concerned about the ch- getting the children home. Um, but most of our children are local. What we did on Monday was um, we gave the parents the option of coming to collect their children if they were worried, and some of the parents did do that. But as we've no snow today. We're staying open. So that
11: option is there for them. Just lastly, as we look out of our window here, lots of uh, green open fields. It's all very nice. If it does snow and loosen today, which they're saying it will do, will you let the kids out?
21: Um, Again, if it's icy conditions and we don't let the children out, it's too dangerous. If it's very soft snow cover, we have let them out to go and play on the field.
11: Personally, snow, do you love it or do you hate it?
21: I'm not that keen on it myself, (laughs) but um, the children were so excited on Monday when it snowed and they Mm. had a really lovely time playing on the field, making their giant snowballs. Um, We'll just have to see
11: brilliant stuff have a good day thank you very much thank you very much so there you go the views there of Diana Williams the deputy head of the Warden Hill Junior School Ian she's worked in teaching for over 30 years she has never known a school to be saying the day before we're yep. going to be closed tomorrow on the strength uh, of a weather forecast she's she hardcore never come across that
0: that's, that's proper old fashioned hardcore teaching and that's mm. what you want yeah uh, for, for a lot of
11: people this morning you know, as I mentioned earlier on they just cannot get their head round it in saying that I'm speaking to you live now in bedfordshire not in buckinghamshire yeah. where the situation could be far worse
0: okay well justin uh, if it snows this weekend what are you gonna do are you gonna go out and play i'm gonna give you a call and i'm gonna say ian come on let's come out and go sledging i will see you with my yes. sledge my friend have a nice weekend justin <laughs> uh now it's friday and on fridays we like to get a little bit of music going so in the studio now we've got ollie taylor from luton morning ollie how are you doing you're right yeah not bad do you uh, yeah i'm okay is it cold out there yeah pretty tasty. is it snowing out there yet mm, i think it was just dying okay yeah oh, man, alive. now you you play guitar and you sing are you a,
22: are you a solo artist or are you in a band i'm a solo artist trying to make a band for it oh really um because yeah. basically the way my songs are written yeah. kind of I, I don't really think about how i'm going to play them live so yeah. as a result of it it's quite tricky actually translating it into that scenario yeah um but there's a couple of songs that i can play on my own but Um, so you
0: have you got you've not got a band yet
22: um i'm kind of in the process i've got a bassist and a guitarist and
0: looking for a drummer so and drummers are are always the hardest to find and drummers know that they're they're the hardest to find so they're always a little bit cocky yeah when you find one you have to play by the drummer's rules (laughs) not by yours (laughs) well i'm a drummer so oh really yeah i kind of i know them inside out well if, if if supposing there's a young drummer listening to this right now Right. and they're thinking "Whoa, hang on whoa hang on a second school's cancelled because uh, of the snow i want to drum in a band if, have you got a, an email or a website that people can get in touch with
22: yeah um if you just go on to facebook facebook.com forward slash yeah. ldb official ldb um, official for little drummer boy um which is the album um yeah if you go on there drop me a message uh should be fine and okay. then i'll get back to you
0: man this is we're going to tell you going to hook you up with the drummer <laughs> yeah you see and this this is going to be fantastic and it's going to start here and then i'm going to watch you on top of the pops and go yeah that was me that got uh, ollie the drummer and um i'll get a million pounds is that uh yeah around one a nice yeah. one million pounds lovely uh, you're gonna do a song for us with your multicolored stringed guitar yeah what are you gonna play for us i'm gonna play a track called no more hiding okay. um it's on my debut album yeah so how cool is that? that yeah it's on my debut album It's <laughs> a, cool, a cool phrase to throw out there isn't it yeah no it is cool go yes. on let's let's have it cool fantastic well done excellent stuff indeed sure how, now listen when you when you want to write a song how do you do it uh I, does I, it just come do you get the do you get the song in your head and you go well everyone stop i need to i need to get my guitar man I'm right <laughs> i
22: it, it depends what i'm playing but i mean um i kind of just tend to jam around just a couple of chord progressions yeah and then I'll lay that down, and then I'll try and write some lyrics to it. i do it kind of that way. I do, the lyrics don't normally come first. Right. So it's normally just chords. Best album in
0: the world. Oh. Hey oh gonna, my notice. god i know I, I, I want a definitive answer you heard what, what i was like with that politician ask, that councillor. yeah you've got to answer it uh, yes. i'll cut you off yes yes <laughs> <just say> yes <laughs> good for you well done uh listen thank you very much for coming in so give us the facebook page again if people want to go and it's, have It's uh, facebook.com forward slash official. okay lovely well we will send people over there and there's an album and stuff people can buy this yeah
22: it's called a uh, little drummer boy yep. if you
0: search for skylar records on google
22: yep. um, you'll find it on
0: there excellent stuff thank you for coming lovely to see you good and good luck you. with it uh, if you're a drummer go to the facebook page uh, and and sign up the thing about drummers is I, i've worked with drummers and there and there's a drummer that works in this building with us and they know that they are a desired quality that there ain't many drummers bass players to a certain extent but they're kind of more laid back and drummers and they they're always a little bit cocky a little bit yeah i'm a drummer well, I, I can't make that rehearsal but maybe could, could you do it on a thursday night and everybody has to do what the drummer says that's that's the way it goes uh listen that's your lot i think we're just about done uh, for the week if it's snowing where you are don't be grumpy about it enjoy it i've got to drive all the way to gloucester now and i'm hoping that it does snow <coughs> excuse me and i can take my time and enjoy the fantastic scenery as i'm driving through it well there we go we managed to survive uh, another week now hopefully i'll be back on monday at six o'clock fingers crossed as i'm driving all cross-country uh so I'm, I'm assuming i'll be able to get back if not <laughs> i will be in. That's, that's the way it works these days. He's on speed dial at this building now. Thank you very much, everyone, who listened and took part. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is up next. Until next week, ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking.
1: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
18: Thank you, Ian.